0: Good evening, wherever you are, and thank you for joining this episode, this very, very special episode of Just Like the Movies, where we are talking about the nineteen eighty six classic Top Gun. And as you probably saw from our uh our social media activity, I I saw the movie and uh Johnny also saw it, we couldn't recommend it highly enough. And we thought if you were having a uh, Memorial Day weekend that was less than stellar that it might help, and uh, I really think that rewatching this movie recently helped me enjoy that, uh, enjoy the sequel all the more. But um, yeah, I, you know, a lot, a sure. lot of meat on this particular bone. But first of all, we got to check in with. Uh, we hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend, with or without a viewing of Top Gun Maverick. But I got to check back in with my my uh, very busy co-host, man. How are your feet, Johnny? <laughs> Dude, cooked. <laughs> absolutely cooked i it's so funny so i went to
1: anaheim for star wars celebration and yes that's part of why we were a bit delayed on this episode but i'm glad that i asked mike to delay because now we have both seen top gun maverick and we're not gonna spoil that movie necessarily but i think it might help inform the excitement of this discussion and we might touch on things in a non-spoilery way uh and we've actually both off-air discussed we might dip into a 2020s movie and break our rule for Top Gun Maverick in a future episode. So uh, that's how good we both liked it. But yeah, so I was at Star Wars Celebration. I was there for a week. It was a very good time. We did a live podcast event. Mike, I will have you know that several people came up to me and said they love Just Like the Movies uh, just as much as my Resistance Broadcast podcast and a lot of people uh, were gushing about your stylings and your oh stop they were just they were I I will never (laughs) I will never stop uh but yeah a lot of people said they really got a kick out of uh what you bring to the table uh specifically one of our listeners uh count Pepto Mm -hmm. as he likes to go by but he he just said that uh we got him through through some tough times uh with our episode so I think that's pretty cool so shout out to you buddy Thanks for coming to my live Ben. Thanks for listening to this show Mike anything if you want to say to, to Mr. Count Pepto And everyone
0: else who sang your praises yeah. I, I would say take my uh, Take my inability to take a compliment As my most sincere thanks I thought you were going to say take my breath away But you didn't <laughs> I didn't boom, 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 boom,
1: boom, boom. By the way that new Gaga tune uh, I feel like it, it grew on me it brought it
0: yeah, did you that. notice that the, that they had the uh i the the LG on the tail fin at the end? That couldn't have been an accident, right?
1: I did not notice that. Oh, hmm. Yeah, it wasn't
0: a bad song. We, we both uh, we both celebrate Lady Gaga's catalog. For me, not yes. as much as Lana Del Rey, but um, still right. quite right. an accomplished singer uh, and songwriter. But uh, I yeah, yeah, it it was a pretty catchy tune. I I don't think it was as good as the Berlin song, but
1: you know oh yeah i don't know i'm a little burland out um <laughs> i and i have things to say about that scene from top gun that we'll get to but that's why we're here we're here to talk about the first top gun we may pepper some non-spoilery thoughts about top gun maverick that naturally fit the conversation but ultimately we are here to take us back to 1986 as you put it mike for uh a movie that was a blockbuster in its own right You may look at the paper today And the numbers and say like Oh, well, that number is not that impressive But in 1986, oh it was It was the and... number
0: one movie of 1986 And right. it was never number one at the box office It was just one of those movies It just hung around for like a year And it was like Yeah it was it was popular obviously it just never had the that huge blockbuster weekend but it was in theaters for over a year and it made something something around 360 million dollars on a 14 million dollar budget
1: it's and, and crazy. that's it's it's crazy to think that the movie was in the theaters that long especially today where it's they, they really make movies events in a sense where it's like you got to go see it immediately especially with online spoiler culture and stuff like mm-hmm. that and the shelf life for even some of the best movies that have staying power today is two, three months. Um, so it's, you know, you have a movie like that, that maybe like opened with 7 million. And it just kept chipping away and growing and growing and stuff like that. Where nowadays it's like 150 million first weekend and then a sharp decline. And it's, you know, finishes it out of whatever it is now. Top Gun 2, you know, has already made 350 million worldwide. We'll see where that ends up. But it wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the original. Uh, So we're going back 36 years to a Tony Scott directed film, Jerry Bruckheimer produced starring Tom Cruise, Anthony Edwards, Val Kilmer, Kelly McGillis. The list goes on, but I will just start, Mike, by saying this was one of the first movies I loved as a kid. I had a VHS copy of it taped probably from if my parents had HBO or, or even a black box at the time. I'm not really sure. But it would be an aft like very similar to Batman '89. um, But it would be a situation where get home from school, put it on and watch it. And it was a couple times a week I'd watch Top Gun. I loved it (laughs) that much. And and then my brother got into it thereafter, and he might even be a bigger fan than me because I think he he goes he goes around calling himself Maverick. And there's a who knows if he's gonna name his kid Maverick. But needless to say. This movie's been with me for a very long time. I still love it dearly. Uh, I didn't realize um, how homoerotic it was when I was younger, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think
0: any of us did. I mean. Yeah, yeah. But
1: mean- it, certainly, it certainly is. But uh, needless to say, it is a classic and a great action movie and lived long enough as a legend in itself that Tom Cruise, who has no need to be revisiting nostalgia, he's still killing it. In the the movie making business, might be the biggest movie star of all time. Still at age 59, 60, he wanted to come back and do Top Gun. So it meant a lot to him. Meant a lot to the fans. Just seemed like it. It just shows how much staying power this movie had. So I can't wait to get into it with you, buddy.
0: Yeah, and with you know Tom Cruise, just I I mean I know whatever you want to say about his his like kind of like his act back in like 2005, 2006 when he was getting all that bad press, and then you know what he's been doing. You know His involvement with the Church of Scientology And I know that's, that's a very uh, controversial topic But the thing you gotta say about the guy Is he's like crazy In the right way Like he loves movies so much And the movies he makes whether you like them or you don't Because I don't like every Tom Cruise movie I've ever seen But I've seen a disconcerting Amount of them Like uh, there's a trailer for the new Mission Impossible On this one which is I mean that's the seventh one And I'm probably gonna see it just to support the brand of filmmaking that Tom Cruise and his guys are involved with, like like Joe Kaczynski, who directed the sequel, and Christopher right. McQuarrie, who uh, before well, like after writing the Usual Suspects became this collaborator of Tom Cruise, worked with him on I think two Mission Impossible movies, and then the, yeah. the Jack Reacher movies, so. Right. I mean, just but like, like what? Even when he did the little like thing where he just thanked everybody for coming to the movie and talked about like this is why we do this and stuff like this, it was like it was just so. I don't, I don't know if he meant it or not, but that it just took me back to a time when when studios made movies to entertain people and to make money, like in the process, as opposed to today where there's just so much more political content. In films and television now, I don't want to get bogged down with that Because there's lots of other talking heads who do that With much bigger audiences But uh, I want to talk about how awesome Top Gun was Because I was actually dreading this rewatch uh, Because I had not seen the movie in quite some time I know I enjoyed it a lot when I was a kid But you know then the whole thing Like somehow Quentin Tarantino in this really obscure movie in 94 Called Sleep With Me well, he was like a extra in not an extra but he had like a like a secondary part and his big big scene was he goes on this tangent about how homoerotic top gun is and i think people kind of glommed onto that and then over time as it became more mainstream like more and more people saw it and then they started working in it it became like kind of this punching bag like i remember 30 rock had a joke about it where liz like Le- Le- uh Tina Fey's character, Liz Levin, referred to one of the guys she went to high school with as gayer than the volleyball scene in Top Gun. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, on one hand, you've got all that, but, I mean, like, rewatching the movie, I was, I was, like, back to just marking out for all the. And then researching the movie made me like it even more because I, you know, I, I do a lot of reading, like, a nerd about things. Um, but just reading about how the movie came to be and all all the things that, like, it basically start the movie started because Jerry Bruckheimer read an article in a 1983 magazine called, uh, I think it was called, it was just called California Magazine. They did a feature about the Top Gun school. And his thought at, believe it or not, was it was, it was Star Wars on Earth. That was what he saw in his head. Yeah. and. That's how that was the the idea that gave us one of the biggest movies of the '80s, maybe of the latter half of the 20th century. And, like that's where it all started, which is insane. That's it, you
1: know when you look back on it in the '80s and sort of what the culture was like for pop culture then and, and movies and and teen idols and stuff like that. You know, you got your fighter jets and your action. Uh, which will bring in the guys, and then you got Tom Cruise, who might have been—I'm not—I I would say at least top five uh, sex symbols for young girls in the '80s, because um, I, you know, I remember watching like *Saved by the Bell* and like, uh, you know, Kelly Kapowski being obsessed with Tom Cruise, and everyone—oh, everyone, oh, everyone mm. was obsessed with Tom Cruise. Even Rosie O'Donnell, who's gay, was obsessed <laughs> with Tom Cruise. You know what I'm saying? Like Tom Cruise was—and that's true. So. <laughs> so tom cruise was the guy and you had those two things and i think that's a you know a recipe for success and you're getting everybody in the door you're not just you know catering to to one gender or one demographic and and it worked out and he probably got even some old vets you know whatever to to, to watch the movie i know my dad uh enjoys top gun and i'll get into that later about you know s- something he observed uh, when we were a little dinged up one christmas and yes we watched top gun one Christmas Eve. My brother, that, my dad, and myself. That sounds like that uh, sounds like
0: a fantastic fucking Christmas.
1: It was a very good Christmas <laughs> that year. It was only about four or four or five years ago, but um, yeah. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Other than maybe just the intro itself of the movie, and I'm not saying we're gonna sit here and do a chronological thing, but it definitely has a very memorable. Uh, intro for for a movie as as you hear the theme uh, and the bell tolling and then you see the text about you know how Top Gun came to be and then you see the logo and then they're prepping everything on the aircraft carrier and all of a sudden Danger Zone hits and you're like what is this like what is going on right now um, but just being introduced I think to Maverick and Goose and getting a taste of their personalities and as a little kid you're like I want to be that guy you know you know i i think that w- whatever those guys are doing those are the t- those are the guys i want to be and how they kind of like bail cougar out and and that whole scene and, and you 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 understand exactly who Maverick and Goose are before you even get them out of that plane and i think that's such a cool way to introduce characters Is here's these cool jet fighter pilots good-looking guys they got their helmets they're cool names and and they're about to land their plane and they're like no 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 cougar and they go flying off and they they help him Uh, get back on deck and stuff like that. Like I, 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 the beginning of this movie, I thought it was, I always thought it was really, really cool. And it kind of shows you like the quite literal maverick sense of Pete Mitchell and maybe sometimes begrudgingly or, uh, really having no choice. Uh, what, uh, Nick Bradshaw, AKA goose had to do as his Rio.
0: Rio, yeah, that was one of the things when I was researching the movie that I thought was interesting Was the fact that they left a lot of that jargon in there completely unexplained Like, Rio, what is that, that stands for Radar Intercept Officer, right? Yeah And they just never explained that in the movie And I think in a lot of movies today, they would have to have that line of exposition Explaining what a Rio is and what they do And in this movie, it was was just like, it's the guy who sits in the back seat Fucking figure it out, like, I... (laughs) <laughs> it's but this, the
1: second most popular person when you're with people going on a roller coaster that's what that is,
0: <laughs> yeah, as long as they're not screaming at the back of your head, right right <laughs> but the, no the, no comment the, yeah dude, I mean like the funny thing is this movie it was you know we talk about movies how they the happy accidents of filmmaking and some movies have this grand design at the start and things go wrong. I mean, this movie literally was just kind of a it was a it was like a a pipe dream of Jerry Bruckheimer's. And then everything flowed from that. Like he got this writer team that he liked to work with. I don't remember their names. I, I know their last names are Epson Cash. I don't know their full, their given names. But he hires them to write this script and then they bring in this uh, Technical advisor, he's a retired admiral Named Pete Pettigrew, his call sign Was Viper, he was the inspiration right. for the Real Viper and he was the old man Well the older gentleman That uh, Charlie was at the uh, Officers club with in the first scene We see t- Kelly McGillis in And so he had a lot of input Into trying to make the movie as realistic as Possible, but there was a big push And pull between what Jerry Bruckheimer thought people wanted to See and The how authentic the movie could be because they couldn't make this movie without the department of defense. They, I mean, they, right. they, they, use real carriers. They use real planes. They use real pilots. They used all like as much as, I mean, the, the sequel takes it to a whole new level, but I mean, this movie, I mean, eight, almost $2 million of its budget just went to the Pentagon so they could, you know, shoot at fighter town and, and, uh, San Diego and they could shoot at Fallon which uh, Fallon Nevada which is Where the actual Top Gun school is now um, All the scenes shot on, on on the like if you see the Desert it was shot in Fallon All those flying yeah. scenes and I mean It's like that's how this movie started And then so he's trying To make it as realistic as possible He Bruckheimer's telling him what he wants to See and he's telling him what the planes can do And not do and And it was just like and you had people at the Pentagon talking to Pettigrew about it, and he's he said, "I'm just trying to keep him from turning it into a musical." So, whatever we see, regardless of whatever inaccuracies there might be or inconsistencies, I it, it I, I feel like this movie has to be the best possible compromise between what real what you know real fighter pilots and real tactics and all that stuff, and kind of the Hollywood version of it. Cause I don't think it went to Hollywood. It definitely had his Hollywood moments for sure. I mean, that was that's you know kind of what pulls on people's heartstrings and gets them talking mm-hmm. about movies. But I, I you know this this one just if you think about everything that went into it, like all like all the establishing shots, being like some of the things they changed like to make the movie more entertaining or to give it more of a throughline. Like for example, there's no Top Gun trophy. Like there's no because as uh, this as Pet- this guy Pettigrew explained it. These guys are so competitive; they would all kill themselves trying to get it, and then no one would graduate <laughs> because that's how yeah that's sure. how locked in and intense and competitive fighter pilots are. I ha- it's it's strange. I've actually met a couple of uh, fighter pilots. I met one when I was uh I was on a flight back from Florida years ago, and he was just a Delta pilot that was deadheading home, and like for some reason I started talking to this guy about. His experiences and I started talking to him about top Gun and he was telling me like some of the stuff about real life and things like that and there's also uh a, well he's not technically a member of my family but he's my cousin's cousin so he's not like a blood relative of mine but I've seen him at family events and stuff like that I guess it would be easier to call him my cousin or like my cousin-in-law but Technically, he's not related to me at all. But this is a half-assed genealogy podcast. We're here to talk about <laughs> fucking how rad Top Gun is. Yeah. Uh, but like, one of the things that's so funny is, you know, you got the you got these guys in the movie. You've got Maverick and Iceman, and they've got the, these cool call signs. Like, one of the things that's that's that I I found really interesting about the, that whole culture is your call sign is based. You don't get to pick it if you're a pilot. It's like it, it 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 ends up turning into basically a rib most of the time. It's a way for like your school your uh, your schoolmate you get a, your call sign in flight school, and it's a way for your classmates to bust your balls. Like the two stories I heard were the uh, my cousin's cousin who is a uh, naval aviator. He uh, his his call sign was Bert, which but it was spelled B H U R T, which was short for butthurt. Because he probably got butt hurt over something one time, and that became that became what he's he's being referred to as his entire career as a pilot. And the there was one more story. I know I've been babbling on a little bit, but I I think this adds a little color to the whole thing. Um, the pilot I was flying next to on the Delta flight. He was telling, I couldn't remember his call sign, which I thought was weird, but he had this funny story about one of his classmates. They, you know, they were away from home and a lot of them were young married guys. So things got a little, little, little randy. Not, not, in, the ter- not in terms of this movie, but the wives sent a saucy calendar to the boys, you know, give them, give them a little something to look at, improve morale. <laughs> and so, you know, they decide they're going to send one back. So they send back this calendar that's like all their bare asses and stuff, and then (laughs) what? And they tried to make their wives guess which guys were which based off of their ass in the calendar. And the one guy, his wife like got his right, like his month right, and was like, "Yeah, I'd know his little monkey butt anywhere." So he became monkey butt. That was his call sign. His entire career as a flyer. So, and then he said sometimes like on Wednesdays, he said like, yeah, we'd have XF-16 days on Wednesdays. We'd like pick our own call signs. would be like Raptor, <laughs> like, Reaper and stuff like that. so I, I thought that was really funny because if you if, like uh, in the sequel, you see a little more of that. It's a little more obvious if you pay attention to some of the call signs that the new pilots have. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't want to, like I said, we and you said we don't want to get into too many spoilers. But that's like one of the kind of divergences between actual pilot culture and how it's so, portrayed in the movie.
1: So then that begs the question: What would your call sign be? <laughs> I
0: don't. I couldn't pick it. It'd be like giving your. It's it's like giving yourself a nickname. You can't really do it. Like you'd have to. I, I have it. <laughs> I, I can't wait.
1: <laughs> Long dong. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just a little That's just so on the nose man <laughs> Imagine I- being like a
1: Russian pilot And you get <laughs> missile lock on you And it's by a guy named Long Dong <laughs> Yeah Lieutenant- And then, and then you, you blow him up And you're like You just got fucked by Long Dong <laughs> I
0: got him on missile cock <laughs> No, I, I I was actually thinking about this because I thought like wh- I, I I rarely anticipate your questions, but I thought you might bring this up. I I, mm. I thought a good call side for me would be sloth because I'm lazy and I have a tiny mouth. <laughs> like maybe that would be a good one. What do you think? Sloth's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> so what what would mine be, Mike? Oh. Oh man, you're not. You're. I don't think you're gonna like this one. I think I No you know what I think I would just call You'd just be Han Cause you just love Han Solo So so much like Oh that's you, too nice though Like if you Well sometimes Well I mean not if I put it like this Like if you were a chick You'd have his babies Like Like that's not that <laughs> All right. Or like All right. well, Or I was gonna Or, or as close second would be uh, Like Fox You know like Silver Fox okay Yeah But like yep. Han, especially if you wore a vest, like that would be a name. Like if you wore a vest one time, like they'd be like, "Oh, it's fucking Han Solo," and then that would be (laughs) that would be your call sign for the rest of your career as a flyer. That's
1: that's not bad. I'll
0: sign up. I'll sign up for it. I mean, because like even like in top in the original Top Gun, like the one guy Wolfman, his character Solo. Then Solo's not bad. Yeah, Solo sounds too tough though. Like it's like, oh, I'm Solo. Like I fly alone. Like
1: yeah, no.
0: Maybe we're just overthinking this thing because, like Wolfman, like that. that, I mean, that that's a cool call sign. But if you look at the character's real name, his real name is like I don't remember his first name, but it's like Larry Wolf or something. So that's it's just like oh Wolfman. So it could be something like that too, where it's just kind of a something funny or memorable. Like, but from from the the few call genuine call signs I've heard in real life, it's just kind of a way to bust balls or it's what your teammates think fits you or it's something Mm. that. But that's I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a little out there. But
1: no, it's fu- It's fu- it's funny to 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 learn that kind of stuff. And uh, so, uh, all right. So Han and Sloth, <laughs> or <laughs> or Fox and Long Dong. Which we'll see what the audience prefers as our pairing,
0: dude. The U.S. Navy putting Long Dong on a flight helmet would be fucking hysterical. I always thought it would be
1: like- all time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, it'd be funny because I thought we were, like, too tall to be pilots. But that's Mm. not true. Like, fighter pilots can be up to 6'5". So, I guess Tim Robbins really could have been a fighter pilot if he wanted to. Probably would have been the best way to go. Tim Robbins
1: is very tall. And it's funny because Tom Cruise, I believe, actually had to wear lifts in his scenes with Kelly McGillis. Because she's pretty tall for a lady. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she's, like, 5'10", or something like that. Yep. But, uh, so in terms of this movie do you do you remember watching it as a kid uh, oh yeah I, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, so, so similar type of so what's your story on on watching it as a kid like i like i kind of was getting into the fact that i pretty much watched this movie every day oh i uh, i mean i
0: didn't watch it nearly that much um we um m- my brothers and i were kind of like little edge like we just like we just watched the most violent stuff we could get our hands on generally um <laughs> And well, I mean, we watched this movie a lot when I was younger. Like, I remember watching it a lot when I was like eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, and then playing the video game. That, that, oh, yeah. Go ahead, man, because I I think I know what you're gonna say.
1: Well, yeah. So, like, so you get to the first level, and you get down to the aircraft carrier, and you got to adjust your your height and your and your left and rights, and yet your whatever gimbals, whatever you got to be like right on the money to to land that thing and i would either crash right before i got to the aircraft carrier, carrier carrier or fly over it and crash uh i think i may have accidentally landed it once and the only reason why it lets me went go to the second level where you're getting bombed from the water which which i would get killed in when i was trying to uh you have to like link up to the fuel ship in the second level it's like it's a really hard game needless to say I have zero idea what the third level of Top Gun is <laughs> you on well, Nintendo.
0: I, I've wasted a disproportionate amount of my time playing video games, especially old 8 and 16-bit video games. I've never seen the second level of Top Gun. And I probably tried to do that a hundred times when I was a kid. Uh, h- like, so, hundreds of times. And every time I would eat it right into the front of the fucking aircraft carrier. Every okay. single time.
1: <laughs> now, I'm confused now because... I would be able to move on to the second level, unless is that still part of the first level? Because after you crash, I think you still have like a life. Oh, left. I
0: think you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you lose a life. But I could never land it on the carrier. I could never right. do it. Right. And, and then, then the
1: second level, you're flying and you're being bombed from from the sea. Like they're they're sending shooting missiles at you, and you have to try to blow those up. As you're also fighting planes. And also having to refuel As like a seven year old <laughs> Playing this game where it's not like Today's games where you save your progress Once you're dead You go right back to the title screen And start over
0: <laughs> you know, my, my, my one friend and I had this idea it was, it was not a legitimate idea But it was like kind of a joke About going back To like when video games used to be hard It was We called it the postmodern war game And it was like <laughs> It's like Call of Duty But if your character dies you Your your, your uh, game just erases itself And you have to go buy another copy And start again <laughs> mm. <laughs> And we just pictured like If people took it to the extreme Like communities in the internet Tend to do and There were people who were buying like Hundreds of copies of this game <laughs> To see how far they could get Cause it's like the first, like say the first level Is like a D-Day type level and you're in a Higgins boat And you're trying to get out And like you get shot before you even get out of the boat and your screen just fucking goes black And then you have to go <laughs> buy another copy of the game <laughs> but,
1: Dude, video games were relentless back when the, we were kids Yeah,
0: the only thing that I've played in my life That rivals that is Top Gun <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's 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 no joke man. Like I've played a lot of video games when I was a kid. I wasn't very good at a lot of them. Some I did okay. Um I did beat a few games like Mario Brothers and stuff like that through warp zones or whatever, but the that Top Gun game stacks up there is one of the harder games I played. I remember when we were I, I don't know why we were talking about this cuz we haven't done uh the movie yet, but the Ninja Turtles game I remember having a real tough time oh, with that water that water games. scene. That's yeah. Awful. It's... Yeah, and uh, there, there's a bunch of games like that where I really didn't get much further than the second or third level. And Top Gun was was certainly one of them. So I'm curious to see if if any of our listeners ever played that game, if they know anything about like the third level and beyond. Because <laughs> I I literally haven't even thought to look it up. I have no idea what the rest of that video game is.
0: Yeah, if you can, like
1: uh... is there is is there a scene where you're just plowing out Kelly McGillis? <laughs>
0: No, because like, she, she would have been giving it up to Wolfman Yeah, her Oh, yeah Yeah, yeah her and uh, Tom Cruise didn't really uh, I don't think it was as bad as when uh, Deborah Winger and Richard Gere Worked together on Officer and a Gentleman um, mm. Which uh, also, coincidentally Was about naval aviators But uh, mm. they didn't really I don't think they really vibed that well Offset and the whole thing about Like when they would do scenes together Tom Cruise would be wearing these cowboy boots And she'd be barefoot Or like the scene where they're in the restaurant in San Diego The bar, Kansas City Barbecue They dug a little trench for her That she had to stand in Because it bothered the According to both of them It didn't bother either of them That they had a height, a three inch height difference But it bothered The producers and the director So... They had to they had to do all these things to make them look the same height or him a little taller. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, he had, I know he had to wear lifts in some some scenes and or, or always have like some sort of boots on, as you say. But um, what well, well, I did read that uh, Anthony Edwards and Meg Ryan actually had a little bit of a real fling, even they did as spouses did. in the film.
0: Yeah, they they did, and then uh, the, uh, the 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 actor who played Wolfman, I think his name's oh God. It's. Very tall or something like that. I, I think I don't think I got that right. But tub, tub. All right. Well, he play. He they got together. The the story was that he watched her fall down in the middle of the street, and that was like you know, the, that was their meat cute was.
1: They, they should have named their gotten the call signs based on the actors' names. They just called like uh, Barry Tub, like bath,
0: <laughs> like tub is shit. It's like, but it's all one word. <laughs>
1: Oh man, um, so so Val Kilmer. You know we've talked about Val Kilmer a lot on this podcast, especially with Tombstone, and uh, on the Batman podcast we touch on him a bit, and I'm sure in other spots too. Uh, of heat. course, Heat, Heat, yeah. yeah. Um, but him in this movie being the main antagonist, um, he's kind of like you know the complete antithesis to. Maverick and, and they paint it pretty clearly In that he's he's perfection and Maverick Is not, Maverick's his own worst enemy uh, And immediately It sets that parameter of You know, I want to root for this guy Because he's the underdog and he's got the personality And, and sort of the, the, the Grit, and you want to root for this guy Versus this guy who's like this sort of clean cut Douchebag, like <laughs> perfect at everything Tom Brady of Jet Fighter pilots <laughs> um, But it, it, it helps sort of Set the uh, set the tone uh, no, with no pun there intended, but of of you know this battle for for this for this sort of championship or title and, and that sort of thing. But I guess again, you know, um, you know, art imitates reality in that. From what I understand, Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer really didn't get along
0: making this movie. Well, part of that was by design. I mean, Tom Cruise and Anthony Edwards, the the. Most of the cast stayed at this hotel. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't know the layout of San Diego, but like where they filmed a lot of these scenes, they stayed at this hotel. It was like they all stayed at this one place, and then uh, Tom Cruise and Anthony Edwards stayed out in La Jolla, which was like further out. And when they, when he was on set, he wouldn't socialize. It was kind of to do this whole "I'm the outsider" thing. Um,
1: gotcha. So
0: that's I don't know if it, they legitimately didn't get along or not. Um, and I didn't mean to mischaracterize. I don't. I think I think him and Kelly McGillis got along fine. I just don't think they had like the sparks like off screen that you know like a lot of people do movies together That they end up they end up dating because uh, as we illustrated with two other on screen couples just from this film alone. But um, yeah, the like. That's... Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was gonna say that, that and that's fair like you don't need I don't need to know that actors got along or something as long as they sell it on film and I felt like they did so that's really all that mattered to me and um even even you know the the classic 80s moments where you know she sort of embarrasses him in the uh this the room going over the summaries of of their training and she just uh, really just throws him under the bus to sort of she what she says cover that she likes him by saying like you know just pummeling him with mistakes that he's making and he walks off and he's revs up his motorcycle i can't hear you and she goes <laughs> chasing him down the road and then they obviously you know go at it um it just as as cliche as that is for an '80s movie, like I still love it. I still love their er, every part of you know their exchange uh, in in this movie. But at the same time, like them not having that character in the fu- in the sequel, I didn't really care either. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. at the same time, it's like whatever. But you know, I I still enjoyed it for for Top Gun.
0: Yeah, I, I hope that's not too much of a spoiler for anybody. But Kelly McGillis is not in. Um... Top Gun Maverick and she tried to she tried to play it real cool like she didn't want to be in it or something or she's not about that but like I was I was watching some material for this and like the one thing I watched was in the in the frame of the behind the old behind the music documentary series on VH1 but it was called behind the movie and it was like forty minutes long, and they spent like fifteen minutes of it talking about how Kelly McGillis couldn't handle how famous she got after this movie came out. Like she was like doing drugs and drinking too much, really. And she broke up with the, uh, with Wolfman, even though they were dating mm. after the movie wrapped. And she was like, hey, yeah, all this stuff. So it was poor like,
1: Barry Tub.
0: <laughs> thanks for getting his name right. I'm sorry I couldn't. But like, <laughs> you know, you talk about Maverick being the underdog, and like one of the points I wanted to talk about was just how. You know this this movie wasn't like a movie Anybody believed in except Jerry Bruckheimer like th- they wrote the movie They had Tom Cruise in mind He didn't want to do it uh, Val Kilmer didn't want to do it But he had he, they had right. A contractual obligation over him Or something um, There was a pretty long list of Name actors at the time who Turned down the Maverick part Wait,
1: Mike are you trying to tell me the list was long but Distinguished <laughs>
0: It was. What else is long and distinguished, Johnny? Your penis. (laughs) You could have just. You you don't even have the self esteem to say your penis.
1: (laughs) I said your penis. Oh,
0: oh, oh! Ah, there's two. There's two O's in goose. My apologies. (laughs) Um. Yeah, surprisingly, Mel Gibson not in the running for this one. I was really shocked to see that. Um. (laughs) What would Mel Gibson's call sign be? Let's make this the theme of the the podcast. <laughs> I can't. Do, I'm not creative enough to do this like 20 times. Like, I, uh, okay. <laughs> but Mel Gibson's call sign. Oh, it would have to be. It would have to be something like taking the piss out of him being so religious. I think it would have to be <laughs> something like that. I, I'm not sure what it would be, but like crucifix. Yeah, or, or like Judas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would fucking love that (laughs) Is that a good one? That's pretty good Alright, moving on Let me see see some of the people I I had to write these down because there were so many of them Swayze turned it down Wow, that would not be good in my opinion Emilio Estevez Oh, no thank you Mm. Nick Cage (laughs) No, please (laughs) Who Who would later go on to do Top Gun and Helicopters Firebirds for yeah. People. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. John Cusack smoking a pancake? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pipe piping <and> a crepe.
0: <laughs> Matthew Broderick. The War oh, Game, War Games God. connection. Uh Sean Penn? No. Michael J. Fox. What what is John Leguizamo on here? Are we going to get like all the principal <laughs> guys from Casualties of War, that forgotten <laughs> Vietnam movie that Brian De Palma did. Uh Michael J. Fox? Yeah. Tom Hanks Fucking that'd be funny. Tom It'd be f- Hanks It'd be funny if
1: it was Michael J. Fox Because you have James Tolkien as uh, the commander Yeah so then you'd be, You be you basically have the same dichotomy as Back to the Future You're, just, you're a slacker <laughs> that, or, That'd be his call sign That'd be Michael J. Fox's call sign Top Gun would be slacker <laughs> I gotta give you your dream shot Because you're the best I don't want to You two it. characters
0: <laughs> are going to Top Gun You know that, guy, that guy's still alive He's 90 Unreal, uh, Tom yeah. Skerritt still alive too. He's yeah, eight, he's eighty six. The last one, Scott yeah. Goddamn Bayo How about the, How about them fucking apples?
1: Ooh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that guy's had uh, quite the ter- the heel turn of late. Has um, he? I
0: I I don't keep up with current events, so.
1: He's just, he's just a lunatic. He's an absolute lunatic.
0: Um, okay, but uh, Scott Bayo jeez, Louise they, but, but we're talking 1985, though. That was when the casting call went out. It was like, yeah, I know. But what,
1: what movies was Scott Bayo in to be get, to getting a I, Bruckheimer well, call?
0: Well, you kind of brought it up. You know, they were looking for <laughs> sex symbols for for like to bring in the female audience because mm. you know Tony Scott before he did this movie was not the Tony Scott, like not the legendary Tony Scott. You know, shaky cabs, strobe lights, all that stuff. He he had done one movie called The Hunger, which was a pretty forgotten vampire movie, and he actually got picked to do this because he did a commercial with a a sob. Those car, one of those. I don't even know if they make sobs anymore, but it's a. I think it's a Swedish car, and it was outrunning a jet. So they hired him because he had worked with jets before, and he came from a background of uh, photographing male models. So you talked about the kind of homoerotic component to Top Gun, and I don't want to like beat that point into the ground because it's been you know it's been done and it's kind of old hat. But like the once you look at it from that perspective, where t- Tony Scott has all this experience, working with male models, he used that eye to kind of pick these these pilots, the actors he wanted to play these pilots, and then there was also the fact that Bruckheimer wanted to approach the whole. Enterprise of being a fighter pilot, like being an athlete, because he didn't think that people at home realized how how taxing it is on your body and the physical condition you have to be in to mm-hmm. be a, to be a fighter pilot. So that's why you've got the locker room scenes and everybody's sweating all the time and stuff like that. Because he was making it kind to make it more accessible to people. He kind of get introduced this dynamic like it was a sport or an athletic endeavor, and you add, you put all that stuff together, and yeah, it could be pretty homoerotic. Because, you know, a, a, uh, he, I can't even call him a friend of mine. It's a guy I met like twice. This guy was—he was like a lifer in the Marines. He he did like twenty years of Marines. He said the, the the he said the foundation of the Marine Corps is two things: shouting and gayness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so like that,
0: you know, you've got like when you have sports in the military, you know, people. I think it's hilarious how many pickup trucks and CrossFit gyms unironically adorn themselves with Spartan helmets not realizing that <laughs> the basis of that whole thing is institutionalized pedophilia it's just older uh. men having sex with younger men and then the soldiers have sex with each other because they would fight harder for each other that's a little piece of history that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of but <laughs> so you've got all that undercurrent when you're talking about the homoeroticism of Top Gun you've got all those elements that kind of inform it I'm not saying it ex- like you know it makes it okay or excuses it or you know Whatever about but I'm just saying like When you put it in a context It kind of makes a little more sense
1: Yeah you know and In thinking about this movie and in terms of like Friendships and that sort of thing If this was a Movie about s- like Solo pilots without Partners I don't know That the movie does As well I think The strength Of the movie has to do with the friendship Between Maverick and Goose And How one is a certain way And the other one's just trying to Go about it the right way but also staying loyal To his friend who he came up with When they got paired together Um, But if like for example If it was you know like you know take a a Fighter plane I don't know if it's an F-16 F-18 Which is a solo fighter um, I, I don't know that it works As well if it was just Maverick And you know, pitting up against the Iceman, like I think a lot of the scenes and a lot of the moments, uh, from from humor to obviously tragedy and sadness, um, between Maverick and Goose, uh, put the movie over the top for me. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: I I didn't even think about that. That's that's a uh, that's a good observation. That's a good dynamic because yeah, I I think I think that whole relationship because the you know the the Rio is is dependent like. Dependent on them, they really have to believe in that guy, right? And you know, with the goose's death seed, which is like pretty famous, um, you know, that that's something that could actually happen. And part of the because if, if a if a uh, I read this, um, if a plane is in a pe- in a flat spin, it kind of creates this dead pocket of air outside the cockpit, kind of like the dead spot, like a dead spot on a hockey table. Mm-hmm. An air hockey table, and so the canopy would have hung there for like a couple seconds longer than it would have normally. So that's what, like, so Goose, you know, he pulled pulled the canopy and then pulled the ejection seats, and then he went into he went into the canopy. So that's like something that I, th- from what I understand, could really happen.
1: And well, yes, because I believe Maverick's last line to Goose is "Watch the canopy." Oh, not. The- not that you could do anything But I in my rewatch I think I had subtitles on I'm like oh shit he says that
0: Yeah so, it, it would be like one of those things I think he just had would have had to wait A couple extra seconds But then the plane might have They might have been in the plane When it hit the water which...
1: Yeah so and, and you know what Like there's some scenes in movies Where I watch it and you still to this day Even though you've seen it 500 times You hope for a different outcome And that's one of those moments in a movie for me Like I love Goose so much uh, I think, uh, Anthony Edwards just brought a real strong, like almost like a Bill Murray type of sense of humor, uh, which, you know, self-deprecating, but also quick and, and, and could jab people, even though he wasn't the best or the best looking, he knew how to like really get to people. But at the same time you see he's, he's like this family man and he's got his wife and kids there. He's playing the piano, like right before his death. And just the the whole package of his relationship with Maverick, which also, um sent you know uh, allows us to understand a certain side of Maverick that we may not if he was just this lone fighter pilot you know we hear the stories from uh, Meg Ryan's character about you know he's sort of this womanizer and like you know what you know how come someone hasn't been able to reel him in you know we hear the stories about Penny Benjamin and you know we we learn more about that later of course um but just everything about Nick Bradshaw aka Goose's character and his relationship with Maverick of course people focus on his death and what that does to Maverick thereafter he's, he for once loses all his confidence uh, he he almost thinks he, you know he thinks about quitting and and, and all that and then he finally redeems himself at the end but everything before that too um, the the humor of the two of them standing outside of the office just and and, and just like you know, it's like oh penny benjamin he's like Shh you know <laughs> just just their, their whole like wise ass sort of uh tag team dynamic duo sort of batman and robin thing i think really adds a lot to this movie that maybe sometimes either gets taken for granted or overlooked because everyone just focuses on oh goose he's the one who dies and and, and all that sort of thing but if you look throughout that whole movie even when they had that one heart-to-heart moment where Goose goes to visit Maverick after they screw up again and get docked points. Uh, I, don't, I forget if it was when they go below the hard deck to get Jester, which, fuck Jester for doing that. That's a coward move. Um, but Or or when they buzz the tower or whatever it was. He's like, you know, I, I, I got wife and kids, man. And I can't lose this shot. And he's like, I won't let you down again and that sort of thing. So like, I, I like that they have all sorts of different moments because it really felt like a true friendship to me. Um, for a movie that some people say, like, oh, it's this cheesy 80s movie. I think the, the relationship between those two guys felt like a real friendship and a bond. And I think that helps carry over into the sequel, not to get spoilery. Um, it helps sell a lot of the elements of the sequel to me, which I think lifted that movie, too. Yeah. So I, th- I think that the, the friendship between Maverick and Goose, I don't know if it was a conscious choice that uh, the writers that we need to have these guys in pairs, especially before the main character... Or if it's just something that worked out that way, I think that was a turn of fate. Uh, no matter how, when that decision was made, first draft, second draft, whatever, that really put this movie uh, and gave it heart, and gave it humor, and gave it a, a lot of things that it maybe wouldn't have otherwise.
0: Yeah, one of the things that was so, um, I guess, serendipitous about us doing this, doing this episode, and and you know, rewatching the movie because I hadn't seen the movie in a few in several years. Um, which I found interesting. You were nervous about it. I thought you yeah, were. I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I. just thought it would be cheesy, and I thought like all the, you know, some of the other stuff would get to me. But it, 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 you know, it didn't. Like once, once you just get let yourself get lost in the jet stuff, it all kind of takes care of itself.
1: But once you heard "Cheap Trick," you started
0: jacking off, and you were all in. Dude, what? Let me ask you a question. What is the greatest soundtrack song of all time, and why is it "Mighty Wings"? Uh,
1: I, you just answered the question because you're absolutely right. Uh, the only thing I'll say, and this might be a little spoilery, I think we get a little too crazy with what's a spoiler and what's a not. The only thing I have against Top Gun: Maverick is that Mighty Wings is not in it.
0: Oh yeah, I kind I docked it half a point on my scale for that because I sat through the entire closing credits of the original Top Gun just because they played Mighty Wings over it like I didn't <laughs> I didn't care about anything it had to say like well, it's like oh I'm never going to remember who any of these people I'm not going to remember who the key grip was like if I don't let me tell
1: you right now if you are on a highway and you're listening to Mighty Wings <laughs> you're increasing your chance of getting a speeding ticket by 80% <laughs> That movie makes me a Ooh. lead foot yeah. man I want to cook when I'm listening to Mighty Wings by Cheap Trick It's just sad um, that
0: two of my favorite Cheap Trick songs they didn't write like, they didn't, write, they didn't that write that one, or they didn't write uh, The Flame, which was their... I think The Flame was their most successful song, and they didn't well, write I'll it. I'll be damned. Well, i uh, who,
1: who wrote Mighty Wings? Like, no so,
0: Giorgio Moroder, who was a very famous movie composer from the 80s and 90s, like he did the score for Scarface, that's like the first thing I think of when I hear that name, The he wrote the music... And then the lyrics were written by this guy Named Tom Whitlock Who was the guy who worked on his Ferrari But he was a like, He was a mechanic to pay the bills But he was an aspiring lyricist So he wrote a lot of the lyrics to these songs I was going to wait to talk about the soundtrack But uh, since, since we're into it we Might as well get into it now um, And then like I, I, it, I, well, Another interesting story For you know people getting involved Was Kenny Loggins was talking about how they had this giant cattle call for artists to perform these songs that these two guys wrote. Um, and his idea was he go he was watching the volleyball scene and he goes, his reasoning was something along the lines of. This scene is obviously really important to the people who made this movie, and no one's gonna want to write a song for it. So he wrote the playing with the boy. He he did the whole like playing with the boys song. Oh, and okay. then All right. Toto was supposed. This is like so eighties, and like this is so much yacht rock right now. We were about to enter a very dangerous zone, but
1: he a a, a danger
0: zone, <laughs> exactly. But Toto was supposed to do Danger Zone and then they had some kind of disagreement about another song they wanted to do like they were supposed to do this ballad called Only You that was going to be used instead of the Berlin song which would have never came to be if they had but then they got into some kind of disagreement with the with the production team and then they just got thrown off the project and they just gave the song to Loggins and then he did it how the hell would Toto do Danger Zone I don't know but they were the original pick
1: Revin' up your engine <laughs> Listen to Her howling roar Metal under tension Begging Touch and go
0: Get the fuck out of here No, that doesn't work for you Can you do Rosanna But with Danger Zone <laughs> Or hold the no, line Those are the only three no. Toto songs I know
1: No, the lead singer of Toto's call sign Would be Rosanna For sure <laughs> holy shit um no the soundtrack for Top Gun is definitely something to get into because I think that's another thing that uh, maybe boosted the popularity of the movie because you know just how big in general music was in the 80s and this style of music and you had to buy music or listen to it on the radio in order to have it and uh, I think that was certainly a, a big part of it and um, say what you want about Kenny Loggins danger zone is a, an awesome song and it gets everyone jacked up when they hear it and, they, and what do they think of when they when they hear that song is top Gun and it takes you right there uh, and then like the the only Oscar Top Gun one was uh, I believe Berlin take take my breath away yeah uh, for, for for best song um, and that certainly has its merits in, in how it plays into the movie um in one of the weirder love scenes I've seen on film just to just <laughs> Let, let's just li- lick each other's tongues exclusively for five minutes in in, sil- in silhouette form.
0: Well that was the, you know they, they slapped that together post-production. Like the love scene wasn't part of the original script. It was they did some exhibition ex- exhibitors screenings and they were at one and there was like, where's the love scene? So then they bring Kelly McGillis back. She'd like cut all her hair off. That's why she's wearing a baseball cap in the elevator. Tom Cruise was growing his hair out because he was shooting The Color of Money so they, they Made his hair wet like he just got out of the shower Which you know th- with this movie no one's gonna Question that we've already <laughs> had like We've already had 18 shower scenes Like what's the difference if we add one more because um, it seems like
1: sponsorship? Was there like a shampoo sponsorship <laughs> For this movie or something
0: yeah I think Pert Plus was uh <laughs> Got some promotional considerations Uh along with uh Pepsi Cola and uh <laughs> the Department of Defense, United States Navy. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah they, they shoehorned the whole thing in after the fact. That's why, like, so would you say that looks a little off? That's, and then it became the show, it became like the showpiece for that song. That makes sense that then it was all pretty much silhouette based.
1: Um, they probably didn't want to get too focused on maybe some of the aesthetic changes of the actors and, and that sort of thing. And that's fine. Like, I'm not going to sit here nitpick a fucking love scene in Top Gun, but, yeah. uh, they just licked each other quite a bit. Yeah, they did. Um, they, there was, yeah, a, yeah it was There's a lot, of, a lot of licking.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, like it, what I was saying before about <laughs> watching Top Gun and then going to see the new one was, you know, somebody asked. Well, there was this, la- this old lady was sitting a couple uh, seats away from me, and she was like talking to her husband during the movie, and she was doing that, like she was doing that kind of like old person thing where they're trying to be quiet but they can't. And she's like, she's like, I, it was so like when when uh, Jennifer Connelly's character showed up, she's like, I, I don't know who that is, I, who is that? And like they it, it went oh, back and forth, no. they went back and forth for like five minutes, and like I waited until the movie was over, and then I explained who that character was and the references to her in the first movie. And I was did just,
1: you now? Let me ask, was that a need of yours? You <laughs> needed to make sure that woman knew, or were you just being polite well, and trying to help her?
0: You know, she was like, she was like, doddering on and on, like. And she kind of like took me out of the movie for a second So I was like I I just felt like I should just tell her
1: You just turn around and you go One Admiral's (laughs) daughter You
0: stupid bitch
1: (laughs) And then you just sit back down And like go back to the movie
0: No I waited until after the movie was over Because like I wasn't raised by wolves So I don't talk during fucking movies So, like, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't either. I I hate it. I hate when people do it. I can't stand
0: it. Uh, If if if, if anybody listening does, I I apologize for characterizing you that way. But I, like, I'll put up. Like, if I go see a movie with somebody I know and they ask me questions, and like, I'll I'll do my best. But it's like I tried. I've tried to be like, come on, like, just you know, like, if you're watching a movie with your parents, like, they're asking, like, what's going on here. It's like if you just wait ten minutes, you'll probably get the answer. Like <laughs> so, so, I so I can't wait. That la- that that old lady's call sign would be Whisper.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know cuz she can't.
0: She was trying. She was trying. She tried to Sorry her Betty, my apologies it, Betty. But uh Yeah, you're it, like <laughs> I just thought that was that, that was like pretty like cuz i would i probably wouldn't have realized that if i hadn't watched the movie again and then like done all the all the research for it because like i probably wouldn't have realized who that character was even, even though they you know gave you a well,
1: couple let, you know. let, let let me let me pitch this question to you it's an either or um we i mean we, we still have to talk about the the top gun anthem which mm-hmm. is iconic in itself like this the soundtrack is loaded right mm-hmm. but you're in a fighter jet or you're watching a scene in Top Gun, are you
0: danger zone or are you Mighty Wings? That's Mighty Wigs all day. Every day. Oh, it's twice that, on it's Sunday.
1: That? Wow. Ugh. Okay. I, I figured that'd be a harder pick, but I no. know Cheap Trick, Cheap Trick's one of your favorite bands, so I know it's a different maybe it sways you and you're biased
0: in that way. I word. like the song better.
1: Yeah, it does rip. <laughs> um, I I think. I think I would edge Mighty Wings but for me it's probably like 55-45. Mm-hmm. With you it sounds like 95 to 5 That's, or 100 it, to 0.
0: Yeah, it's like da- Danger Zone is an awesome song but it's not as it's like it's not as good. Like I I just have an irrational I just have an irrational fandom for that song. <laughs> I don't know why. I always, like what my, I, I had my brother laughing one time because I was like we were we were watching uh we were we were like watching t- this was like years ago. And I was like watching TV, and for some reason I was like, it was something we could both ignore. And I was like, I had I had my Winamp playlist. Remember Winamp, everybody? And, oh my uh, god, yeah, yeah. And Mighty Wigs came on, and I just I didn't I like forgot he was in the room, and I just go I just go to myself. I go, how much do I love Mighty Wigs? And he just started <laughs> like dying laughing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good song, man, and you know.
1: I don't, you know, I'd have to really take a look at some of the better Movie soundtracks because there are some Really really good movie soundtracks over the years Big chill um, Even modern ones like Guardians of the Galaxy and <clears throat> There's plenty But for a movie that Really kind of has its own songs That are for it Top Gun has to be one of the best Movie soundtracks ever
0: Yeah and it was the best selling soundtrack Of the year and like It was up there with all the soundtracks of the 80s Like I, I, I heard an interesting story too About uh, the Faltemeyer theme Which is another, you know, as you said Another iconic track from You know, a soundtrack full of them And that was, a, that was one of those things where he kind of He was at a dinner with Don Simpson And Jerry Bruckheimer And I'm going to try not to be too offensive here But for people who don't know, Don Simpson had a little bit Of a minor cocaine problem And uh, he was actually Not very hands-on during this film Because he was in and out of rehab And but like he was in at the beginning, he was in all the meetings and stuff. And uh, they're having a dinner with Faltermeyer, and they were telling him about the movie. He goes, "Yeah, you know, I remember you talking to me about it, and I, I think I got, I got." He he basically said to him that that he already had the the thing, he already knew what he was gonna do. And Don Simpson's like, "Well, let's go, let's go right now. We'll go to a studio right now." And they so they get Tom Cruise. And they go to this like recording studio at one or two o'clock in the morning, and he basically has to take this idea because he lied; he didn't have anything laid down. So he goes into this recor- recording studio, basically does this command performance, and that became the like the, the Top Gun theme. <laughs> wow, that's, <laughs> that's how pressure! Shit, like, wow, yeah. Talk about putting yourself in a command performance spot. Like, it's just I, I don't know. Like these days, I don't. I don't want to get on a huge tangent about like contemporary filmmaking versus you know the filmmaking of our childhood, but like I just can't imagine something like that happening now. Like I every it's like well did we get did we put it through a focus group? What do moms think? Yeah, right. <laughs> will, will will people's asshole children drag them to see this movie four times? because we think that's where 87.9% of the revenue is going to come from repeat viewings from asshole children and their parents
1: you know it's funny because they brought him back for the sequel um and I know part of that is the main theme but also I think he took Lady Gaga's song and helped spin it into some of the uh, score elements of the movie, and he worked with Hans Zimmer. Also, uh, also, I believe they're both from Germany originally. Mm. Um, but just you know, and that's just me going back to the, to the new movie and how much they really put into honoring the original and trying to keep the aesthetic there. Because we've talked about this, you know, there have been plenty of movies that waited a very long time to make a sequel and really just couldn't recapture the charm of the original mm-hmm. and for. Like Dumb and Dumber Two was just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, stuff like that. And then with Top Gun Maverick, as they call it, uh, I they they checked all the right boxes, and they like F, it almost felt like every time they had a choice to make on something, they made the right one. Um, so, and I and for that reason, I hope they don't make another. Um, you know, you can't uh, you know try to play with this too much without. It's stumbling at some point, so I'd hate to see that happen. But uh, anyway, ba- back to it. You know, I don't have much else on the soundtrack to talk about. I think we, we, we talked about most of the hit tracks, unless there's something I'm missing. No, I, um, I,
0: I, I thought one thing I stumbled across was Judas Priest. Like, when I was talking about how nobody believed in this movie, like, Judas Priest was offered to use their song Reckless in this, in this, song, in this movie, and they thought it would flop. So they didn't do it. And oh, and but that that makes it sound a little binary. It was actually they, it was that, and they wouldn't have been able to have it on their own album. Like the studio would have owned it. Cause I, I they it, talked about a lot of artists didn't work on this because they thought it'd be like selling out. Like, it, like one of the things about Berlin was this was their biggest hit and it's basically killed their band mm-hmm. because this song, they didn't write this song, they didn't, um, it didn't sound like their their original sound or anything like that, and it became their biggest hit. And they realized they were gonna have to play this song at every show they ever did, and it basically like killed the band. So, wow, but Interesting. Uh, yeah, Interesting. yeah, I mean, the the dark side of success, I guess. Like the uh, the singer was supposed to sing it at the Oscars, but she uh, she wouldn't do it if it was part of a medley, and then she said she really regretted not doing it, but. Uh,
1: yeah, there, there's been there were certain regrets about this movie across the board. I know, um, and it's funny you say, <laughs> Emilio Estevez was in the running for Maverick because I think I believe Ali Sheedy, uh, his co-star yes. in The Breakfast Club, was offered the role of Charlie and she turned it down. And apparently, that's one of the biggest
0: regrets of her career. What a transition! That's why he's the best of the business, folks. Yeah, the, <laughs> Ali Sheedy was she turned down the part. I can't I could not picture her in this part though. Like whatever you want to say about Kelly McGillis or whatever, like she had a certain like radiance and maturity mm-hmm. and class. Like she was actually like ba- the, the original <laughs> character that was going to be Maverick's love interest was basically going to be like a stock, right out of the box like eighties bimbo. She was either going to be a gymnast or like a pilot groupie, right? Or oh, like
1: that 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 blonde girl from Roadhouse. <laughs>
0: Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess one of the producers. Um one of the, or not one of the producers, but one of the studio executives wanted the character to be more, more like wanted a more legitimate female character. So they didn't really know what they were going to do. And then they met; they were, you know, doing the research for the film. They met this woman named Christine Fox, and she was a mathematician for the Navy, and she consulted, you know, with the, you know, the fighter, the fighter pilots. And her call, she was a tall, leggy blonde who wore these like really, like who wore like really loud spike heels. And, but she was somehow employed by the Department of Defense, and uh, her call sign was Legs. <laughs> so they met her, and they're like, "Oh, we could we could have a smart and sexy love interest." And that's that's kind of how they they came to you know come up with the Charlie character. That we got to get
1: an edit of that movie where she's introduced as Charlie after the whole bar scene, and get and get ZZ Top's song in there as she's strutting her way down
0: the, <laughs> the hangar. Oh man, yeah. Like I, I just, I just thought, and that woman, Christine Fox, she became, she rose to the rank of the acting deputy secretary of the Department of Defense. So she was like the number three or number four person in the Department of Defense. So it just goes to show <laughs> well, you, ladies and gents, don't judge a book by its cover. The chicks wearing right. stripper heels and fence net stockings in a meeting, you know, she might be your boss someday.
1: Right. Yeah. But you don't salute her. <laughs> nice. Because she's not a commanding officer, right? That what yeah, like the, what the whole thing was.
0: Do you, do you? What did you think of that? Just that's the aesthetic of that scene, where instead of you know they're they're in a hangar with the American flag flying, and that's where they're having class. Because that yeah, was one. Of, that was one of the compromises that was made. Yeah, you know?
1: it it felt <laughs> like it was like they used a set that Michael Bay used for a slow motion montage or something like that. Um, from one of his like war movies or even like Armageddon or something. But I I thought that was all fine and good. I, it, I I do think it's that whole scene is pretty funny though. When he sees her and he's like, Oh Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Like she, she, she set him up. You know, she knew, she knew exactly who he was Mm -hmm. Obviously, she she's not going to this uh, instruct this class without knowing who the cadets are. Yeah, she's like, "Wow, you're is. a
0: pilot."
1: <laughs> yeah she <laughs> she put him through she put him through the ringer on all that, and they don't really address that. They just he's just like, "Oh, all right, well, she gets me on that one." And in, then
0: I, I think in the '80s that was just courtship behavior. Yeah,
1: maybe, maybe, but but then they they sort of like give it back to her. And they go over the top talking about their encounter with the MIG And the negative uh, G-dives And, and, uh, uh, you know, the finger (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, I I, I hate it when it does that
0: I'm sorry (laughs) One of the points, I I mean, a little meandering as usual I apologize, but, you know one of the points that Anthony Edwards, like, one of the quotes he had was that the script was skeletal. Like, these characters, you talked about, like, the character development, and it's like, these are, I mean, these aren't, like, thi- like, complicated, robust characters, though. They're, it's not that they're bad, it's just, they're badly, they're just thin. And, like, he even said, he said the script was skeletal, and a lot of the stuff they came up with in the movie was kind, of, he said a lot of that humor was born in the moment. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was like an improv thing. I didn't read it was, but like, like when Val Kilber went oh, bullshit, like that was something he improvised, and that's that, good. And that, uh,
1: I, I feel like that adds to what I was saying before because everything felt organic with their relationships. Mm-hmm. And I don't know much about what it was the culture of making the movie um, and what they did, you know, on nights off or stuff like that. But it did kind of feel like there was. A genuine established camaraderie between Cruz and Edwards, at least, at least them two. Well, yeah, um,
0: uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, you know, as I mentioned before, like all the, a lot of the cast were at this one hotel in like West Mission or something. I can't, I'd have to look it up, but like I remember that Cruz and Edwards were kind of off on their own, and but the the rest of the cast was kind of partying together every night, like and everything that entailed. So. I don't know hope, but like that that might have contributed to something to what you're talking about because you were talking about the 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 dynamic on the set. That was kind of the dynamic was the cast was all staying at this hotel. They were all like, just kind of getting after it a little bit. But like like, like uh, Anthony Edwards had to see like one of the one of the examples would be of just kind of the spontaneity of the of the this process was. Tony Scott was listening to Jerry Lee Lewis one morning. And then he just decided, okay, we're going to have to see where Goose is playing piano and singing Great Balls of Fire. And that wasn't in the script. They didn't prepare Anthony Edwards at all for it. And then he just did it. And it became like probably one of the most, I mean, for, for a character that's not that like widely developed, that became like kind of one of his hallmarks was like, the, you know, him singing and saying, it, saying it could say Great I, Balls of Fire.
1: I would say so. Now, did he play it? Do we know that? No you he how did how not. No. Okay. I mean. Now I would bet I think Anthony Edwards is around 60 years old now. I would bet that's the most he gets approached about is great balls of fire.
0: Probably. Either that or you know he really big ER fans because he's on that show for a long time
1: Maybe maybe or Or, or something else with Goose um, But like the finger or, <laughs> or something like that but I, I would say Like if people saw Anthony Edwards and they recognized Him because he looks obviously quite a bit different And who, and who wouldn't 36 years Later um, they, he, People probably always just like great balls Of fire <laughs> he's probably like uh, Alright <laughs> yeah, or, uh... or maybe he's like Yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, the Goose character was like, even though he didn't have a ton of screen time or a ton of like, um, you didn't you didn't get these long like indulgent monologues about his motivations and stuff. You could kind of see like how like why everybody liked him. Like he was one of those guys that like he he had one of those at like that kind of that energy that like he always wanted to like everybody liked like like, like even Iceman liked him. Like he's like,
1: oh, Mother Goose. <laughs> And that was the one thing he said to Maverick When they still didn't like each other He's like everybody liked him Yeah When he talked about Goose But I think because Like this Just like type A personality clashes And everyone wants to be top dick And all that shit And like Like Goose was very like unthreatening And he was just like I'm here to do my job so that my kids can have a good future. I don't need to, you know, I'm not the pilot here. I just want to be the best I can so that I can have a future here and that sort of thing. And like, that was his main thing. And that, that's what made it the more tragic when he died because he wasn't the one taking all these risks like all these other guys were. Um, and I'm not saying it was, you know, Maverick's fault. I, I do think Goose's death is Iceman's fault. Um, I don't know where people lie on that but Iceman had op- opportunities to get out of there and he was trying to get the points bef- uh, over what was tactically correct and it led to Maverick flying into his jet wash and and leading into the flat spin and all that stuff. So, where do you, where do you stand on that by the way? I know we're talking about a fictional movie, but that yeah. is an important part of the movie that a lot of people don't talk about. I think it, by 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 a series of events to me the 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 root cause is the selfishness of Iceman in that moment
0: yeah there's a lot of like the whole thing seems kind of weird when you're watching it especially like I'm not familiar with uh you know dog fighting war games or anything like that but it was seemed like he was in the spot for too long and he just wouldn't move but like some of the stuff I read was that if you pay attention Maverick tells him to break right he doesn't he goes left
2: and, oh
0: okay and uh so there are there there's two schools of thought that's two schools of thought are that iceman it's iceman's fault for those reasons the reasons you mentioned the one I mentioned and Maverick it's Maverick's fault because he he just should have like been at a safer distance or something i I don't know but uh well they and then some people will go as far as to say when uh when uh Val Kilmer hits one of his like you know bitchy I'm the best lines which probably wasn't too far removed from how he thought of about himself in reality but um, Anthony Edwards like he's he starts laughing like an exaggerated fashion he's like oh you kill me like that was like foreshadowing but that's oh. but that's you know mm. no no established I foundation. that I I agree bit of a reach perhaps yeah
1: and and you know Goose has a lot of lines uh, That are just uh, like very subtle Funny things like yeah, you know, there's two O's in Goose And like you know <laughs> Goose whose ass did you kiss to get in here I And mean, we said before the list is long but distinguished Thank you very much uh, So you know, like he has a good way of sort of being self Deprecating and uh, diffusing things In the moment and I think that's another part of the reason why A lot of the uh, characters like Goose um, But I, 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 don't, I don't know like he, Goose's death like it's that moment and and if you if you haven't watched Top Gun in a while, it's one of those things like where you know it's coming, like like even like Kenny and South Park, you're like Alright, mm-hmm. oh, when's it gonna happen to Kenny here? It's like, is this the time it happens? No, is this the time it happens? Oh, he hasn't done this yet, so it's gotta be this time. And then when you know it's that time, you're like, Ah shit. And <laughs> yeah, I always again, I always hope like it it, it ends differently. Um but it always happens and his head hits the Canopy and I remember as a kid not fully understanding What killed him
0: yeah um, I didn't either for sure
1: I was like Is it because the plane crashed on top Of him or I don't remember but then as you get Older you understand you see it, it quite Clearly his neck snaps and He hits the water and he's already bleeding Which means everything He's it's just over And uh, you know the Shark repellent and the, and the neon green So that they could be spotted and the, All that stuff um, But In terms of uh, the character of Maverick, you know, how how do you feel about the character in general? And um, without getting too spoilery, how'd you feel about where they took the
0: character in the sequel? Um, Well, I think I think you know he's just like the kind of prototypical hotshot, like I naturally gifted. Kind of, you know, it is frustrating dealing with people like that because they can't. You don't know why. They have this innate talent, but they do, and it's like something you can't teach. Um, and, but some of his dialogue was a little like I mean, at the, like I, as as we've been talking about, you know, the script. What the script kind of was what it was, and it was kind of something that evolved as they were making the movie. So, like Roger Ebert had this uh, famous criticism that you know the weakest parts of the movie is when people are talking to each other <laughs> because <laughs> be, because like yeah, some of the lines are a little. Like, some, like you know, there are some iconic quote-worthy lines, but then some of them are a little, a little out there. But uh, I, you know, the Maverick character is—it's like what everybody, you know, you, you 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 tend to take on more of a personification thing there than I do, or like an identification thing. But like, I think if you were doing something, you'd want to be like Maverick. That's like what people—that's like, the whole thing that a lot of people have in common—is like you want to you you like it's that it's that whole quote that like you know every girl like one girl at least at every high school uses a senior quote everybody thinks they're different so that makes them all the same like everybody wants right. to think that they excel at something and they excel right. at it effortlessly like that's part of kind of i don't know i i if it, it, it's like well if i if i was a fighter pilot Maybe i would be that good no probably not but like I,
1: yeah <laughs> like so like Maverick is like Brett Favre in that he's a gunslinger he may not be the best but he keeps going out there and he does like sometimes he does incredible things but then sometimes he does things that you're like why did he just do that and then you have Iceman who's like a Tom Brady where it's precision everything's got to be perfect you got to look that certain way and stuff like that but I think people I'm not saying like Brett Favre's like I'm not talking about him like as a person or anything like that I know he's done some like really weird shit but I I think people like and we've talked about this in other movies there's something that draws people even unforgiven i think we touched on this there's something that draws people to the imperfect hero uh with the chip on their shoulder maybe they are chasing a ghost in a sense as as they quite literally say in this movie um you're flying like you're chasing a ghost out there because uh, of his dad and the legacy of his father and stuff like that there's something that connects people because we all have our issues in our relationships whether it's with our parents or other people in our lives uh where we don't want to see perfection because we don't want to root for it because none of us have it uh no matter what it is and we see ourselves more in the maverick type where you know there is always potential and we believe in ourselves and the potential in ourselves but we want to see somebody who doesn't quite get it or have it and they struggle and that's like the you know the the hero's journey uh sort of sort of thing but i I, that at least what always draws me to those types of characters is you want to root for them because they're not quite there when you know they can be uh as opposed to like just the perfect flawless character that's why sometimes like with superman movies like they have a hard time connecting with audiences unless they do it in a way that humanizes superman which i felt they did with man of steel i actually really liked man of steel but um, do, you, do you know what I'm saying like there's something about Maverick and that he's cool because he's edgy and stuff like that but there's more to it because once you get you break him down and you find out that you know stories about his father that he's not quite sure about and he he doesn't believe the stories he told about his father making mistakes and that's why he died and he he's trying to almost redeem his father through his own flying uh, but but while also taking on reckless habits and that's sort of a, like a man's journey in this world is like you want to follow in your father's footsteps but you don't you're like i'm not going to be like that though and, w- and when he did that thing i'm not going to do that and then sometimes you find yourself doing you, you're doing the same mistakes and i don't know this is just a lot of relatability to that type of character i'm not saying like we're going in, too in depth with a character in top gun but I think they did a good job of creating a character that make that is very likable for people in Pete Mitchell because he wasn't the best. He, he was never the best in this movie. Uh, maybe until the very end when he saves the day, but it's very weird to see. It's like Rocky in a way, right? He, he's a good fighter, but never the best. He wasn't Apollo Creed, but you root for him because he's the everyman or, or, or whatever. I, I don't know if I'm that. Or, that's or to borrow, sense, a Rob,
0: borrow a Robert De Niro quote, like, Iceman is strong in the locker room, but he's weak when he puts his spikes on. Like, oh, and, okay. And Maverick's kind of the opposite. Well, he's not the opposite because he was good enough to go to Top Gun. but right? for whatever reason, like you know the whole Top Gun trophy conceit to you know, find out who's the best. <laughs> and he because he's the best. And he was not the best. but uh, he did graduate. right. And he wasn't
1: even the, he wasn't even the best before Top Gun. it was Cougar. Cougar chickened out.
0: Yeah, like one of, the thing, one of the things I read that I really liked or, or that I found really interesting was, you know, the, they couldn't have made this movie without the material support of the United States Navy, the Department of Defense. So they had a certain amount of creative control. When it came to how the Navy was portrayed and some of the things, like one of the changes they made was uh, Cougar was supposed to crash. He was supposed to eat. He was supposed to eat it like just like I used to when I played the goddamn video game. He was supposed to eat it right into the front of the aircraft carrier, but they they changed it because they the the Navy didn't want to show their pilots fucking up that bad. And when like the goose death scene. That was supposed to be a rough, fiery landing on the carrier, and Goose died that way. Oh, and so they had to kind of think of a different way to have. They 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 were still gonna kill Goose for that dramatic payoff and that yeah. that whole uh, element of the story, but the Navy was like, we can't show our pilots fucking up this much. <laughs> so, right, so they. They kind of came up with altered explanations I think um, Admiral Pettigrew and some of the other people Who were involved with the Kind of the Flight mechanics of the movie Because the movie I meant to mention this earlier but I couldn't find like a convenient way To work it in so I'm just going to mention it now So the movie was shot basically in three, three, three Three sets Of sequences like Everything that was just normal, like if they were at a bar, like when they were at the Kansas City Barbecue Bar, which is still there, I think, and they still have like a bunch of memorabilia and stuff, um, like that. Like any scene that was just shot in a normal place, like on a street or in a house or anything like that, that all those scenes were shot together. Then they had the scenes that were shot on the ships and on the naval installations and all that stuff. And then the third set of seeds Was all the air-to-air combat stuff Because that mm-hmm. was You know, that was U.S. government property That was U.S. government pilots All flying that, all taking care of that stuff Which is uh, I, I, I don't know why I didn't Think that was how it was done But I guess, like, the way it was laid out I was like, oh, that's that's Okay, that makes a lot of sense Because, you know, you've got these <clears throat> You know, pilots And they're taking you know, they're taking the actors up in the flight like to the, get them used to the whole thing because and it was kind of good for the way the movie was shot because the you don't have to see the actors faces everybody's wearing helmets so then when you're you're seeing the flight pattern like the the flights happening and all the patterns and the moves like those were all choreographed by uh right by by like seasoned pilots and flight and actual top gun instructors like one of the guys his call sign was Rat. I can't remember his name. It was like Rat, he, they he went by like called him Rat Willard. I don't remember what his like Christian name was, but he was like the main flight choreographer and that's where they had this push and pull about what they wanted to see on screen and what the planes could actually do and what a pilot would actually do. And when this movie was so successful, they thought the, well, we could just use the leftover footage and, like, and make a sequel. And, but there was it took so long to get usable footage and then they had to fill it in with miniatures and because uh, they well, I, this is one thing that might make you never see the movie the same again or maybe you notice this already. So the, the Navy only authorized them to use two missiles. So they, they had this two shots of a missile going off. And they like, used it from different angles. Like, used, like, the same mm-hmm. shot and stuff like that. But then for different missile shots, they would use miniatures. And then when they would blow up planes, that was all miniatures. Like, that was a whole thing, finding the right mix of pyrotechnics and stuff to make the plane explosions look good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I I just didn't even think about, like, the, ch- the challenges that came even with all this support from the Navy, which, of course, came with strings. And it ended up being this... Very powerful recruitment tool, which was part of the reason they did it. I think the the stat I read was something like they had recruiting booths set up outside theaters. Yes,
1: right. I read that. Yeah. That is uh, not surprising, but kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, because I, I bet some fucking kids walked out of there and like signed up. Yeah, they're like, oh my god, because this is probably what it's like. Yeah, they, not, they said enlistments
0: not. went up five hundred percent or something. That's and, so wild. Yeah, and it's
1: in it, during during non-war time probably made it easier to sign up too. Of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, uh, Michael Ironside, the uh, uh, Canadian character actor who plays Jester, uh, he he had this story about how I, I it probably happened more than once, but he said like two two uh, Marines came up to him and they were, and they they came up to him and go, "Hey, you're in Top Gun," and you are like, "You're the reason I signed up. It's nothing like I thought it would be." <laughs> He's probably like you, idiot. Yeah, he, he had some. He has He had a lot of cool stories. Like another one, like he got to see when they buzzed the tower. Like that had never, or they that had never been done. And so the pilots had to draw straws to see who would do it. And
1: uh, I that I I heard that too. No, That's pretty cool.
0: You you want you want to finish it or? No, no,
1: uh-huh. go on. I'm just uh-huh. I'm just glad you brought it up cuz I completely forgot about yeah. it.
0: Um, so the one pilot his call sign was Bozo. <laughs> he was actually flying <laughs> Tom Cruise around in one of on one of the flights. He um he he got to do it. And apparently Michael Ironside was in the hangar, but he was like up. He was like it was like four stories off the ground and he said it was like one of the most incredible things he ever saw he, he said he he said he was so close that he could see in the cockpit.
1: I wonder how close it got. Like, are we talking like 200 feet?
0: Ah, uh, maybe. I mean, that that sounds reasonable, like without being too crazy.
1: I I know. It's just like, it's just cool, man. <laughs> like it's it, as as caveman as it sounds. Like it's just really cool. And when they do it in the movie, and the guy with the coffee and stuff, and they get it, they get him at the end too. Like. I, I, I just I don't know I just always thought that stuff was really cool and I there's, there's no other way to put it
0: yeah really uh, before I overgeneralize about the nature of masculinity I want to encourage everybody to you know subscribe to the program if you're not already we're on Spotify Apple, iTunes all the bi- all the big places even some of the more obscure ones like Podbean and Pocket Cash, you might not have heard of but we're on we're on like ten different platforms and follow us on social media if you can Twitter at Just the Movies instagram just like the movies pod you know it doesn't cost anything May- as long as johnny and i are involved it probably won't cost anything <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> there's no telling right. what the
0: future will bring but uh yeah dude there's yeah. something about being a guy and it's like fucking fast cars and jets and fucking slutty chicks like, all- <laughs> like- listen listen
1: you're you're right and you know it's funny like like going back to you know star wars and you were like they they made this the they wanted to be the star wars on earth like that's all george lucas ever wanted with star wars was to make the rebels had hot rods and they souped them up and the the imperials had off the market fancy cars and it was just like that's sometimes all it comes down to is that bare bones you know american muscle and and americana and that sort of thing and it it it's just embedded in our DNA, and we like it. We're not sure why, but we do. And I remember, like when when we were on our vacation in Virginia Beach back in 08 Oh man, we were we were we were by uh, an air force base, I believe, and we were seeing those. Uh, I believe they were F-18s flying in pairs quite often, and it was very loud and very awesome.
0: Heard well, heard them more. <laughs> than yes, because they, were, they yeah. were gone in a hurry. But right, yeah, like right. I was. Just as a, just as kind of a, a bit today, like I, you know, a lot of us had to go back to work after the long weekend, and I, uh, I was sending out an email to a group of people, and I, I usually don't do it because it's not very professional, but as a postscript, I said, by the way, if if anyone hasn't seen the new Top Gun movie, please do that immediately, and I had three people write back to me and be like, yeah, it was awesome,
1: <laughs> nice,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. At least three guys I work with Saw the movie And like reached back out And was like yeah that was really good Cause it was like I was I mean that was one of those movies I haven't been Like I've seen movies I've liked in the theater In the it recently But like the last movie Where I was This isn't a great Comparison but the mo- like a movie where I came out and I was just like My head was buzzing Just cause of just the general like just of the general insanity, like, and how metal it was, was Ma- was Mad Max Fury Road. Like, that was a lot, like, th- like, this movie, like I said, not a, not a one-to-one comparison, but just, you know, jets coming off the runway, and, and then, like, then you have all the, all the throwbacks to the movie, which they, they did, they managed not to overdo it, but there was definitely plenty of it. It's not like there was a shortage of callbacks to the original but they
1: made a lot of it make sense um and do a good job of getting nostalgia woven into it with explanations um which i found good but one thing i'll say just off the bat like i remember sitting in the theater and for a second i thought i fucked up because the exact same text comes up to start the movie with the main theme (laughs) and i i'm not even trying to do a bit here I for a second thought I bought a special screening to the original Top Gun and because then it says and then they called it Top Gun and I'm like oh it's different because it has the wings on it now and then it said Maverick I'm like thank God I got the right <laughs> but but it was the same exact opening and then they go from the title credit and I, to me this isn't spoiling anything to a very similar looking with the aircraft and the main theme playing and, and right into danger zone I'm like this is freaking cool man <laughs> this is really freaking cool that they did that
0: yeah like- Cause it,
1: it adds it adds like i like when things are in sets and like when you know you have i used to love having my dvds on on the shelf and it was like they you know a sequel looked similar to the original in terms of the its presentation i like that a lot so i really appreciated how they presented the introduction to the new top gun movie the same way as the original
0: Yeah, I'm gonna. I I think I'm gonna have to see it in the theater at least one more time. Definitely in IMAX because I didn't see it in IMAX the first time. If I could find one of those in this area, but Mm -hmm. also because, like, as much as I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, and I don't even know if it's possible, it's gonna be hard to see how I like like if evaluating the movie if it could like imagine you hadn't seen the first Top Gun, like what would you think the movie was as good, better. Worse see, Have you talked to people about that Because I've No I and mean maybe... I only saw it yesterday so I haven't I, I only I only got a couple quick like Oh man it was so good that's all I got out of it
1: But I don't know if people have told you this or, or, or whatever but And it could be something put out there By the movie makers to help people go see it But I've heard from people like you don't need to see The first one to enjoy this one And I really disagree with that I, I think it's very very important to watch the first Top Gun To fully appreciate the emotional weight of the second one. I think it's imperative actually.
0: Yeah. I think you could get away with it, but it would be a it would be a pretty diminished experience. I uh, yes, would... you
1: can definitely get away with it. You won't be completely lost or anything like that. But
0: I'm, yeah, I'm thrilled that we we were the timing lined up that I saw I I watched the original Top Gun before I went and saw the sequel. Like I Yes,
1: and and you know we will admit that sometimes we have been taking advantage of this sort of thing. Sometimes it happens uh, serendipitously like uh, the Godfather. I did not know the 50th anniversary was being released, but with Top Gun, we wanted it to be around this time. Um, I, and we, we were sitting on it for a while and you know, that's another thing we didn't really talk about is like that with the new Top Guns that they filmed that movie four years ago. Uh, oh yeah,
0: that's right.
1: And yeah, it's uh Got pushed and pushed and pushed because Tom Cruise Demanded he insisted This is not going on streaming First and I'm so glad they did Because you know Say what you want about movie theaters and is it a dying Industry I don't think so It's a movie you gotta see on the big screen I think if you
0: I think if they Make movies continue to make movies Like this and It gives people like uh, I saw the Northman a few weeks Back and I know that movie didn't do as well as they wanted to with the budget it had, but I I felt like that movie was definitely way uh, enhanced by seeing it in the theater as opposed to watching it on you know like a like a forty inch smart TV or or whatever whatever you might have handy in your in your home. And this movie like like the like uh, Top Gun Maverick not not this movie but Top Gun Maverick I mean I think I think that movie like a movie like that with all the all the care they took to portray real flight. Like I don't know if you heard this during the press junkets or whatever. They shot more film for this movie than they did for the, all the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, what? Not what? Well, maybe not the Hobbit movies, but like the original Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, wow! Because they would do like a they'd have eight hours of filming, and there's like thirty seconds of stuff they could use, and. You know, Tom Cruise's dedication to creating quality entertainment that's kind of just you know, get people to come and the the financial stuff will take care of itself. But uh he had the actors using handheld cameras in the in the cockpit when they were being flown around. That's why there's so much realistic footage because every he basically trained all the principal actors on the basics of cinematography and things like that, right. so they could they could direct when they were being flown around in these jets, which is just you know just like anyway. But we need to get back to the original movie because as rad as like the sequel was, I mean, just to close it up, you you like w- like is it possible that if the I, I want to manage everybody's expectations properly, but I think this might be the best sequel ever made. Like I definitely think you could have a conversation about it for sure. I,
1: I I think so too. And there are certain parallels that I didn't connect immediately when I watched the movie. And then when I thought back on it and revisited uh, Top Gun is in terms of like, not my rewatch, but you know, writing down things that I remember from the movie and stuff, there are parallels that are so important in who becomes who in the sequel. Uh, that even harken back to Maverick and his sort of estranged relationship with his father. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes Top Gun a better movie. Um, I don't know how to add on that without getting into specifics, so I won't. Right. But it does. And like the whole thing with Maverick and his dad and his dad had there's this real mystery about how his dad died and and viper said i flew with your old man and uh, this is tom scarrett's character and he says you know your dad died heroically and um all all that stuff to, to sort of ease maverick's mind on on what really happened with his father and that's sort of a big part of uh maverick returning um you know the redemption of his father sort of said like, well, if my father can be you know redeemed after all this stuff I may have thought or believed, then I still have a chance to come back too. You know, Maverick's you know, a young guy; he's in his twenties here, Um, and that type of thing. Because I believe there was a uh, they alluded to Maverick being denied admission to the Navy because of his father or something like that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that that carries over into the second movie that has to do with decisions Maverick makes about certain people. And it's just like, they did a such a good job of subtly carrying over things that may have burdened somebody in their younger years. I won't get into any more, but you know what I'm saying? And, uh, it's a fantastic job, but yeah, back to, to Top Gun. Um, (laughs) Do you have a favorite scene of the movie uh, that stands out to you? That's uh, you're like, if I had to show somebody Top Gun, this is the scene I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show
0: them. Oh man, I um when I was when I was watching the original, I I just I kept just thinking it it, it always came back to just what the anything in the air like just any like it would probably just have to be when. You know, Maverick kind of loses his cool when he's on the when he's on the actual mission because you want to talk about like a lack of a transition. It's like we went from you know this thing with where it's basically like a competition, but then you see how high the stakes are. You know when Goose dies, but then then it's like they're graduating and it's like well, (laughs) there's just no setup. It's just like we need you to go do this. And they don't right. name the country because of that whole thing Like the the, the political content with war movies um, right. But uh, I, I think it's when he kind of He spaces out And then he comes back And just like does his thing and, and it's like oh this is why people put up with this bullshit The whole movie Or like his whole career Because, <laughs> because maybe they thought he had this in him I don't, I don't know What about you? Um,
1: I think it's when they get Jester Just because everything that sort of happens in that scene Is so cowboy Where they're on him And he goes below the hard deck To cowardly get out of it And they say fuck <laughs>
0: That really bothers you doesn't it
1: It does <laughs> because It's set there for safety reasons 5,000 feet That's dangerous territory Mountains who knows and he goes down there because he just just doesn't want to get like the, he's like that that old guy in sports who has to cheat to try to still win. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like it's total bullshit. And he goes down there, and they and Maverick just goes instead of like mo- most pilots would be like ah he went he went below the hard deck I couldn't get him he's like fuck this <laughs> and he goes he goes after him and they get him <laughs> and not only that they then buzz the tower. And it's that whole and the whoa, Jester's dead. And they start doing the spins and stuff, and Maverick and Goose just like in the pocket, enjoying the moment, not caring about repercussions. They got it done, and then you know he shows up and he's like, "Get your butts up to flight deck. You're in big fucking trouble." Whatever he says, to him. and uh, then they get reamed out, and they, you know what 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 happens thereafter. But that whole scene, because of you know them going after him, and and you know. The, the, the nose dives down on and, and the high action and then they buzz the tower after as a victory and spill the coffee on the guy. That whole thing I just was just like perfect and they're both excited and, and wooing and hawing. Like that whole scene I thought was like the epitome of the the awesome uh action and also like their bond and like their just a the, like a taste of their personalities, uh on because, you know, Maverick is quite by by definition a Maverick and he's not gonna play by the rules. And if you're gonna if you're gonna cheat the rules, he's gonna go right after you and do the same thing. So I like that that whole scene. I really liked a lot. All
0: right, I, I mean, it's like the second time you mentioned. It, like, man, he really does not. Did he really thought that was a bitch move going below the hard deck? I hard
1: deck I, my ass. We nailed that son of a bitch.
0: I don't know if that was something the instructors are allowed to do though. Like the instructors are allowed to do it, but not the not the students.
1: I I, I don't know. I w- I would think not. Right? I mean. It just seemed like it was one of those prideful things. Um, but then you have Viper, like off the record, saying like, "But he still got you, right?" And he lights up his cigarette. He's like, "Yeah, he got me." <laughs> <laughs> Would you trust him? He's like, "I don't know. I just don't know."
0: See you at the party.
1: Yeah, just like the classic movie thing where you you double down on the line. I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs>
0: And then baby like stare out a window overlooking the city.
1: Yeah, billow smoke out of your
0: nose. Yeah, just classic, deep, cl- classic Ironside. Deep in contemplative thought. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what your yeah. next move is.
1: Yeah, and I, I also like uh, my my. I do have a favorite line in the movie. Um, that's kind of a funny line, and it's from uh. uh sir which he his name is stinger but they only ever call him sir in the movie strickland from back to the future (laughs) when he goes he he's happy for these guys but he doesn't want to show it because he's a commanding officer but he just that whole final sequence before he sends them off to top gun he goes i i I can't i gotta give you your dream shot you two characters are going to top gun (laughs) and he's like But you screw up just this much. And he's holding this little fucking chewed up cigar. You'll be flying cargo planes full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. And they're like, thank you, sir. (laughs) But then he goes, gentlemen, good luck, gentlemen. And again, billowing smoke out of his cigar.
0: Just smoke. It wouldn't be a Tony. This is like, you see the the, uh, kind of foundational elements of the Tony Scott look. Like the smoky rooms that look just hot and musty
1: yeah and like the only thing that was
0: missing was like the whole like strobe light shaky cam thing that he he get, he got into like in the 90s like mean, like true romance and uh the fan and what else the last boy <laughs> scout like you had a lot of that stuff in those movies and that was when he started to kind of get that you know every director not well the good directors have kind of like a like a visual signature like a look like like a lot of times you look at a movie and you can tell it's like oh that's a nolan movie because you can't really put a finger on it. It's just certain visual cues or certain, the way certain shots are used or whatever. Like, it, it's, right? Like if I maybe if I went to film school, I'd be better at articulating this stuff. But like, um, you could see kind of those. I mean, this was his first big movie and like springboarded his career. So whether you love or hate Tony Scott, I'm more on the love side of the fence. But, um, you know, without Top Gun, we don't have Tony Scott. I mean,
1: um, yeah.
0: I mean, Tom yeah. Cruise was already like well on his way. I don't know if he would have. I like one of the things I wanted to get into, like, you know, kind of the, you know, the um, what like you mentioned that, you know, the movies it kind of glorifies everything, and a lot of actors and actresses didn't want to be involved with the movie because they felt like it glorified war, and I I don't think that's. I don't think that's an entirely fair criticism or it's kind of narrow-minded because the actual war part is like the last 20 minutes at the end. The rest of it is is just, you know, guys trying to be the best at something because they they enjoy, you know, they, they're just, they're kind of daredevil types. They, like, they have the need for speed, you know? And they, uh... <laughs> and, but like, it's not... They don't even mention the enemy by name or there's not like a lot of they like, like as i said before they they kind of go right the mission just kind of happens like right at graduation it's like kind of is like this emergency thing pops up and it's like this is what you trained for you yeah. know a little little convenient but nevertheless you know we're going to have one last big action sequence but it's not like it's not like they were they were harping on and on about like how much they love killing or they want to like get into like right. it, it was all about like it was like the pursuit of excellence like was <laughs> It could be something where these guys train like this and train like this and train like this, and they never like like Maverick was the only guy who ever saw an enemy plane. None of the other none of the other pilots, as accomplished as they were, never even saw an enemy plane.
1: That's so, a great point.
0: So for these like actors and actresses to be like, "Whoa, well, it glorifies war." It's like, yeah, the movie kind of it glorifies the military. It's pretty hawkish in that way. But I think I think it's really fascinating this movie and Platoon came out the same year. Because
1: was 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 platoon was eighty six. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow, man. It was
0: actually the third highest grossing movie of the year. This was number one. So Um, these two movies, diametrically opposed views of the military came out the same. Right. The approaches could not have been more different.
1: Right. True. And and also just in terms of uh, military branch, obviously completely different. Um, One being, um,
0: oh yeah, platoon is the army, right?
1: Infantry, yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. Um, the army and the navy, yeah, uh, and, and just like you, you, uh, a retrospective of a complete losing effort. It's just and and Top Gun is you know big dick swinging, just freaking like yeah, we're the shit, hot shot pilots, and you know very eighties in that way. But um, the 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 end of the movie, did, did you notice? I've known this for a very long time, but did you notice Ghost Goose?
0: No. No, like they had. Was it was it the name on the locker?
1: So or, no, maybe because of Tony Scott's lack of shots to use or shots he liked of Tom Cruise in certain situations in the final battle, Goose is back back there in some shots.
0: <laughs> oh, I I never noticed that.
1: Every once in a while, you know, you you it's you know Maverick. And then behind him, his seat, but heads move around. Right, um, you see the red helmet every once in a while in a couple of shots when it's supposed to be Merlin's purple helmet. Um, so, so if you rewatch it again, or for our audience, uh, you know, I don't mean to, you know, shatter the glass of the suspension of disbelief. I always found it charming and funny in a way because movie making sometimes you just have to use the shots you have. Or there's one shot of an actor you really like a lot And you're like, yeah, they won't notice that one Or it's possible it slips and they don't realize it And it gets into the final cut But uh, thankfully there's been no special editions of Top Gun Where they change things and, and recolor helmets But uh, go back to the, the final fight scene Where Maverick gets called in Because I believe Hollywood gets shot down Or, or was it Iceman? I forget No, it was, but, uh,
0: it was, it was uh, Wolfman
1: Wolfman, Wolfman got um, shot down, right? Yeah, and Wolfman's with Hollywood. I yeah,
0: Hollywood was his uh, his uh, Rio, Rio. His okay. guy, the guy in the so, back seat. Figure it out, so, right? So
1: <laughs> Wolfman gets shot down. They call Maverick in. He does the salute, does the thumbs up, takes off. Here he goes, back in back in action. Is he is he going to? Is he not going to? What's going to happen? Every once in a while, a couple of those shots, you see Goose's red helmet back there, um, but. Not, not to take anything away from uh, Tim Robbins, who has one of my favorite lines at the end of the movie <laughs> when Maverick goes, like, he probably knows stories about Maverick. And he's like, Yeah, I've, you know, I'm a little nervous. I've heard this guy can be a little, you know, mm-hmm. but Goose was probably so used to his antics that he felt comfortable. But he's like, I'm going to bring him in. <laughs> I'm going to bring him in closer. You're going to do what? <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> I just thought that was so great. And then he goes, I'm going to hit the brakes. He'll fly right by us, and I, I looked into that. That's a Fugazi thing too, because anything I read from message boards from people who have flown F fourteens, they're like, "Yeah, that'd be a good move uh, if you want to commit suicide." <laughs> so, so I don't know, but in, in the movie, it plays pretty awesome, and I think that's uh, a very badass maneuver, and it works out for for Maverick. So, for the sake of the movie, it's real. And it happens, uh, but yeah, look out! Look for ghost goose floating yeah, I'll have around to look the that. I don't, movie. I don't
0: know why they would have used that though, because, um, you know, they had the all the like. I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but the all the shots that they did were where guys were in the cockpit. They just had this one disembodied cockpit that they used, and it was rigged mm-hmm. with all these cameras. And so, if an actor had scenes in there, they would spend hours in there. Like looking around, and because you know you couldn't see their lips moving, but they'd be looking around and stuff like that. Uh, I I can't. It'd be funny if they had a shortage of film from that regard. I'd understand if it was the, actually the air to air combat stuff. Um, but yeah, i will have to look for that.
1: Yeah, check it out. It's it's something I noticed. Um, I don't know, probably in college or something like that. And every once in a while, I I, I look for it when I watch the end of the movie, but. Uh, yeah, you see Goose's helmet back there When obviously he's been long dead um, But sometimes that happens in movies And you know, that's okay It's it's a part of the charm, part of the fun um, But what uh, The end of the movie what, What's your take on him throwing Goose's dog tags in, in the ocean? Good move, bad move? Should he have given it to his family? Is it is it something he Feel like he had to do for for uh, Catharsis? What, what's your take on that, that maneuver there?
0: I didn't pay a lot of like I didn't pay a lot of attention to that I always thought those were his dad's dog tags And that was like him getting the monkey off his back But I I must be wrong Because I If it's Goose's dog tags I don't I guess it could kind of Psychologically be the same kind of catharsis Or whatever but I don't I I just thought it was kind of I don't know Just churlish I guess just all oh, up oh this is these are my dead friend's dog tags i'm just gonna throw them in the ocean like i i it's i, I don't know if i'm sounding petty or missing the point of the conversation but i thought it was weird like i i if, if they're goose's too. dog tags
1: they were goose's dog tags and i i found it a little strange too that he he did that because i don't know it's kind of like I don't even know if I like when people like dump people's ashes In the ocean or something It's just like the ocean is a Like a, Like a I don't know a not warm place Quite literally but I mean like There's nothing friendly or like Calming or peaceful about the ocean In my opinion
0: it's a very violent and dangerous place Yeah if you if you think too hard about the ocean It's absolutely terrifying It's Exactly it's...
1: We, there's been parts of the over ocean We haven't even explored as humans <laughs> And we're, we're trying to go to to freaking Jupiter or whatever, uh, but I, I don't know. I thought that was a little strange. Maybe like you just brought up, what if it was his father's dog tags? Um, that would have made more sense. Maybe his father's dog tags got lost when he got shot down. I don't know. Yeah, but
0: I thought, I mean, I thought for sure they would have given Goose uh, Goose's dog wife. tags to his wife. Yeah, yeah. I, so for some reason I always, as many times as I saw that movie, I always thought those were his dad's dog tags. And then, yeah, no. But then like it, it makes more sense That if they're Goose Because he's rubbing them And he's saying Talk to me Goose But then uh, Yeah I don't know I I should have been More prepared for that But I I, I don't I don't know It, w- it,
1: w- it would have made for, for some cool moments In the sequel If, if he held on to them Too mm. But That's alright But then I I do like the The classic um, You could be my wingman Bullshit You could be mine uh, like that um, but there, i mean there's a it's the one thing about this movie like you you know you say how skeletal the the script was and i'm not sure where the line is drawn between lines that were scripted or not but it's a very very quotable movie <laughs> that a lot of people throw quotes from it out there sometimes um, without even realizing it and there, there's just so many like we've talked we've mentioned a bunch of them here to fit in certain contexts and it's just like it's just a very quotable movie, and 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 I'm not sure why that is, but I've always found it to be.
0: Yeah, well, the the skeletal script thing. Well, that wasn't me. That was what Anthony Edwards said about it. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he worked. On no, yes, yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was funny how some of the things in the script were. They thought they were accurate, but they weren't. Like when they were talking about going ballistic. They, <laughs> we're
1: going ballistic, yeah, man.
0: They they used that as. It's like we're going as fast as the plane will allow. Like we're gonna, you know, whatever. But what that really means in pilot talk is that you you're not going fast enough to control the airplane. So it's like it was like when Cougar was like coming in and like the plane was going from side to side like that because that was going ballistic, not going, Mm -hmm. not not uh, breaking the sound barrier. So right. But there's all kinds of stuff like that that I don't really think. For the casual observer is gonna You know bother you like watching the movie Because that's how it was That's how the producers intended To make it like they they kept talking About what uh, The general public like Jerry Bruckheimer Had this one th- like stock Phrase he kept using like, like Like what are mom and pop in Kansas Gonna think or something like that And But th- I, I really do think that the movie Reached a pretty Healthy compromise between the two things What you know naval aviation is really Like and what's You know you know the Hollywood Rendition of it and part of that went to You know they had kind of like if you, I mentioned an officer to a gentleman before They had kind of a Boot camp for the actors And so they, they Had to they got trained on a lot of that stuff Like what it's like to If your plane goes in the water and you have to Escape and uh, right, you, you know, they went up in the planes. Legend has it that Anthony Edwards was the only actor who didn't throw up when they took him up in the planes. Val Kilmer Impressive. wouldn't go up. Uh, he never went up. He never went up. That's that's uh, that's what they said. They said he uh, he thought maybe it was like a little above and beyond what he'd been tasked to do. But like, I just don't know. Like, uh, would you do it? Yes. Like, <laughs> would you?
1: I I think so. I think so.
0: I think it would be. I think in my head it would be a lot more fun than it would be in real life. Because I right because you know you watch Top Gun and I think the sequel does a better job of showing like what the like what that kind of force the G forces yeah, yeah does because like I haven't been on a roller coaster in a long time like probably probably ten years no no no. I went to, never mind, since 2015. That was the last time I was on a roller coaster. And, but I remember like one time I was on a roller coaster, there was this one, it was at the old, it was at Old Jog Lake, which is gone now, but I don't know what they're doing with it. It's been like, it's been vacant for 20 years. Um, they had this, they had this roller coaster called the Mind Eraser. And I think they have the same roller coaster at other theme parks, but the whole gimmick is it runs forward and then it runs backwards the same way.
1: And oh remember, yeah, yeah.
0: And I yeah. remember one time I was on the mind eraser and it was going backwards and I fucking blacked out. And that had to be, <laughs> and that had to be like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even trying to overshoot it. That had to be like what two G's, maybe three, high school physics class. Uh-huh. Like that's the strain that your nervous system is under when you wow. when the, when those G forces are acting on your body. And like, Do you
1: remember it at all?
0: No it was only for a couple seconds But it was like I remember it was like The thing went forward Because I've been on the roller coaster A bunch of times It was But like, I mean
1: coming out of it Do you remember Do you like Do you say like Wow I remember passing out Or what is that like I don't know that I've ever Blacked out in that regard I just
0: I just lost a couple seconds It was like We Dang. were going back Like because the thing goes It goes up And then it comes back And it goes through a clothoid loop And then it goes back up And then it, it does the same thing again Uh it did I was coming backwards, I was coming into the loop, that's where the most centrip the, the most for the gravitational force is gonna be exerted on you going going into the loop. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, we were pulling into the station. Wow. So Damn man. And that was, you know, when I was younger and more robust. I mean, fuck. <laughs> more robust. I mean the, you uh. know, it, it's like and then you see a movie like this and you fantasize, it's like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to be a pilot? But like that physical that, like that, co- the constitution you would have to have, like deluding yourself into thinking you'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm too tall to be a pilot. Well, my eyesight also sucks, and the inside of my head is made out of fucking Fabergé egg, and I'm also in subpar <laughs> physical condition. So, no, I don't think I can even entertain the fantasy of being a pilot. But
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I'd shit myself probably.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you would, you, uh, well, I mean, you, not to, but you didn't want to go skydiving.
1: No. No, I did not. No.
0: Yeah. It's not exactly the same thing, but it's
1: it is it is not. But uh th- there is one scene, I know we're coming up on uh 2 hours here, but there is one scene we didn't talk about that we would kick ourselves if we didn't and that's uh she's lost that love and feeling.
0: Oh, see, that didn't hold up for me at all on the rewatch. Like why was everybody helping him? Is that like a thing? Was that was that like something well, they're Is that, like men. a navy like, thing. I don't know. They're wingmen, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Why wouldn't they help him? I don't know. I like. What are the odds of all those guys knowing that song though? Like, I know well, that, that was a really popular song, but
1: they've clearly done it before because he goes. I don't know, Goose, but she's lost that loving feeling. He's like, oh no. He's like, oh, I hate it when she does that.
0: Not the two of them, but like the whole, like the whole O Club was doing, it, except for Iceman, Man, probably, and Slider, because Slider was like his little butt boy. He would definitely wouldn't fucking have joined in. But yeah, and
1: he stinks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was just in the movie, just to pose down during the volleyball scene. Like that was that was it. That was his sole cut. Co- it's like yeah, it's like that dude's in really good shape. But like that's not what, believe it or and, not, and, that's and, not what I'm and, here for.
1: And they call Goose a pussy. <laughs> Mother Goose, you pussy. <laughs> um, no, see, but but that is an, again one of those iconic scenes, though, because it's been replicated in other movies. Uh, it's talked about often, and I think there's always a moment or, where, where people try to do that in a karaoke situation. Um, so it is an iconic scene, whether it whether you liked it or not is one thing, but it, it's certainly something that has carried over across pop culture and. Has been referenced quite a bit. I did.
0: I did like how they they made it so that Maverick at least couldn't do one thing. He couldn't sing.
1: Horrible singer. Yeah, again. and she burns him about that. Yeah. That was
0: like one of the last things she says to him. Right. Yeah. Are you a good
1: pilot? Good, because I don't have to worry about you trying to make it as a singer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, goes, d- <laughs> so do you think Rick Rossovich was a douche? Do you think Slider was a douche? Total douche. Yeah, well, I think if- he,
1: he played a very good douche.
0: Well, he did get thrown off one of the ships they were on. So, I guess he probably wasn't <laughs> acting all that much. There was a story from, because, you know, they're on real aircraft carriers, and serving on those ships, I mean, I don't have first-hand knowledge of it, but I've heard stories from people I know, and things like that. So, you got a, you got a hot rack. Like, they put you, like, that means there's not enough beds for everybody. So, like, you sleep in shifts. And... You know they had these actors on the ship, and they gave him this rack that was by um, a nuclear reactor or something, and he didn't like it was safe, but he didn't think it was safe, so he didn't want to sleep there, so he just took some guy's bed, and so this officer came and was like, "What are you doing?" And they got into it a little bit, so that the captain called him up to his office and threw him off the ship for disrespecting his <laughs> disrespecting <laughs> his crew. Holy shit! So if you thought Slider was a douche. He's a little bit of a douche
1: Did he get his name because he liked Little Cheeseburgers or something?
0: <laughs> I think it had something to do with Like he stole somebody's woman or something That was like the first place my mind went Like he just just slid right in and scooped it Like Oof. <laughs> Moving on <laughs> Yeah I don't know There's lot, lots of that, that one's good because there's a lot of feasible Explanations for it that fit that whole Bill of like busting a dude's balls yeah. or a lady because we do see some lady fighter pilots in the sequel.
1: Of a lady this time,
0: <laughs> cardinal knowledge of a lady this
1: time. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's quotable, man. It's a uh, a really fun movie, a really good movie, and uh, again, you know, I feel like people need to if they haven't yet you know, watch the sequel because it really has, I think, taken and made Top Gun itself a better movie um in in retrospect um but I, I i don't know that there's much else that we haven't covered uh but i did have one story about uh christmas that i wanted to get back to oh right right so me my brother and my dad we we did the whole christmas thing with the families and the three of us were drinking and it was pretty late i would say it's probably 1 a.m or something like that and we put on top gun for some reason because we, we all like it and it was at the beginning when they're they're doing the um they're showing some carrier shots and there's an f-14 there with a number on it like 152 or something like that my dad's like oh i worked on that plane i'm like yeah we know you worked on f-14s dad you told us he's like no that plane he's like i worked on that plane I'm like what do you mean he's like once a plane gets assigned a number it never gets uh reassigned a new number for identification purposes and everything it's like they they have that number for life he's like that i worked on that plane i'm like holy shit
0: oh so, like, my dad wor- so your dad was a uh mechanic
1: he was a yeah he was a mechanic but also um an f-14 i forget his actual title but it was certainly a, a, a Weapons System supervisor, you know something like that on uh, for F fourteen Tomcats in the Air Force in Vietnam.
0: I mean, those guys are the really the unsung heroes of of I'll the, to, of I'll the Air to, Force. Like I'll F- have to, cor-
1: yeah, I'll have to correct myself. I, I forget what the actual specific title was, but he was in charge of specific planes and their maintenance and preparation. And stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I didn't mean the branch. I just meant any air force because it's oh yeah, it's something ridiculous. Like for every hour, one of those planes is on the air. I think it, it, or in the air. I think they spend like eight or ten hours working on it be, between yeah. all the inspections and everything else. So I mean, yeah, you're talking about a, a piece of equipment that costs tens of millions of dollars. That's incredibly complex, capable of insane things. But like, just kind of the you know I know I know we' it's been a while and if you've been if you've been listening we really appreciate it we hope you've uh you've enjoyed the program but uh, I, I kind of wanted to wrap up just with kind of like you know I the last couple movies it's been a little it had it it hasn't been as up there like the, the the cultural relevance thing hasn't really been it like it hasn't jumped out at me very much I mean this is one of those movies that has been you know there have been numerous homages and satires and like like Hot Shots, like <laughs> Hot Shots was an entire movie yeah. making fun of Top Gun. And the the funny thing was Charlie Sheen you know, wanted to he went out for this part. Apparently he really wanted it, but he was too young, so they right. they didn't really seriously consider him. Um, I mean you have. Like, the the kind of glossy pro-war, I guess. Well, not really, but it kind of does glorify military service. It got this whole whole generation of people more interested in that kind of thing. And and from a pop culture standpoint, what's more important is, this is probably the movie that gave birth to adrenaline junkie Tom Cruise. So... I mean, before this, I mean, he wasn't doing like this was his first movie where he said he was doing a character that was larger than life. And the how they got him to do this movie was they took him up in a plane and they did all these maneuvers and like he he threw up in the plane and came back down. He ran to a payphone. He's like, I want to do the movie. So
1: yeah, that's a good point. I
0: got some conflicting information. I'm not sure, but like, rumor is that Tom Cruise didn't even know how to ride a motorcycle before he did this movie. And I don't think that's accurate because I I heard an, an interview where Jerry Bruckheimer said something about him being on a motorcycle. He might have been referencing filming, because I saw a piece of trivia that said he he learned how to how to uh, drive a motorcycle at this uh, dealership in El Cajon, and that and that became a critical part of the character. Because if you know if these guys are really chasing that action all the time, it kind of makes sense that. Oh, he, he's driving the fastest production motorcycle that they made at the time, which was the Kawasaki Ninja. And, <laughs> and then, you know, t- like, so it, the Tom Cruise we know today, you know, from the Mission Impossible franchise and, uh, like, uh, Live, Die, Repeat, which is also known as uh, Edge of Tomorrow. I think that was what it was called during the, like, but all the things, to- all the craziness that Tom Cruise has committed on film, but with the stunts and the, Running I actually never saw Tom Cruise's Twitter account until this week and I thought it was really funny That his little bio just says running in movies Since 1981 like, he, <laughs> like he's kind of self aware That's really cool but uh You can almost uh, One of the few, the few kind of original Thoughts I had was I, I was like Is this why Tom Cruise is the way he is Now because he did this movie And he went up in jets and now he fl- Like you mentioned he flies jets like, he, he's a certified pilot. He learned yep. how to fly helicopters for the one Mission Impossible movie. I think for Mission Impossible Fallout, he learned how to fly helicopters. And part of that is in service of, you know, making the movie look good and look real. But right. it, it, these are things that seem to genuinely capture his interest. And, and it just adds to his... Uh, Kind of repertoire as an as a legitimate Action star like there's been a lot of rhetoric About how Tom Cruise is the last Real movie star we're ever going to see
1: I Yeah and that, that's a fair It's a fair thing to say It really is Um, He is just as big Larger than life when it comes to how he makes These movies and he puts a lot into it And you alluded to the, the sort of Message that pops on the screen Before Top Gun Maverick Because it was in my theater too and he's just like We're so glad to be making this movie for for you and the way we wanted it to be seen. And we wanted you to be entertained and, uh, you wanted to make the best movie we could. And that's not, that stuff matters, man. That stuff means a lot that, you know, this guy could be a jaded actor. Like many of his age have, have been, uh, have become over the years. He still has a very big, strong passion for doing this the best way he possibly can. And even when, I don't know if it was this movie or one of the Mission Impossibles, but there was a leaked audio of him screaming Mm. at (laughs) crew members for not wearing masks on one of his sets because they were going to get shut down. And he was tearing them, tearing them apart. Mm. And it's just he wants to. Make, be great at making movies And you know what Tom Cruise is probably never going to win An Oscar for acting but who gives a shit Because he's made some of the biggest Most awesome movies ever And I would agree with you That he might be the greatest Movie star of all time
0: Yeah that that's just there's been a lot of Chatter about that there's been I've seen Several YouTube videos with that And is Tom Cruise the last movie star I mean this movie if you think of like Not only has it given us what I Like we should have a discussion about it sometime about if this is legitimately the best sequel of all time it in my head it's either this or the dark knight like it, it or
1: it's em- it's empire for me it always will be but man it like i said without flinching the moment i walked out of the theater i'm like best sequel since terminator 2 no
0: question i, about mean, it. I didn't realize this either but uh Movies about pilots had fallen way out of fashion before the original Top Gun came out. Like they hadn't made a movie featuring pilots or air missions in like like a serious block, like a serious studio film. It'd been like fifteen or twenty years before Dude, Top Gun came out.
1: The next Star Wars movie was supposed to be about a fleet of X-wing pilots. So it was supposed to be like a jet, basically like a jet fighter movie uh, in Star Wars. And one of my co-hosts, James. Brought up a great point. That movie just got pushed aside, and he thinks it's because of how good Top Gun: Maverick was. He's like, (laughs) and he's he was not even kidding. And he might be right because they may have seen this thing and said, like, we're not even close, yeah, to this. So it's something to think about. And I mean, I did not know what to expect when I heard about them making a sequel to Top Gun. I remember being very very excited about it, and I talked to my brother about it. We were both very very excited. Then you hear them filming it. You're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Goose's son's going to be in it. Oh, that's interesting. And then when you started... I was worried about the critic reviews because critics hate action movies. Critics probably hate Top Gun. And they're all just like, this is a great movie. It's not a great sequel to Top Gun. This is a great movie. And everyone's saying it. So I went into seeing Top Gun like, I now have no choice but to expect to see the greatest sequel ever. And... It's pretty close We're right there So I honestly Mike I don't mind I'm not saying we need to establish This now or say when or whatever But I am totally down to Break our rule and do a brand new movie mm. and, and do a, do an episode on Top Gun Maverick mm. um, But with that said uh, You do have to Choose our next movie so I don't know if you had any Final oh. thoughts on Top Gun before we Yeah,
0: I, 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 The last thing I wanted to get out Is just that you know this movie was a lot longer in the making than people realize. You mentioned the COVID delays and how Tom Cruise thought it was important to. I, I mean, the fact that that guy has so much pull on the movies he works on, it kind of that might have also started with this movie because he had input on the script and like a lot of stuff they, they looped him in on. Like, like I told that story about he got dragged into a, a, a recording studio one thirty in the morning to hear the Faltermeyer theme. And so even then it was like he had kind of a undue amount of, of influence on on the production and that's kind of carried over into you know what he's been doing today with, with like the team around him and stuff but they, they were talking about doing this back in 2010 2011 and unfortunately Tony Scott uh, committed suicide and it kind of put the whole thing on hold and uh, and, uh then they they started rethinking some of the ideas they had, and you know that I, you know I don't know how that movie would have come out, and I don't know if that that conversation is really going to be substantive. But it just go but like so if you're looking at the movie and you, and you think it's good, the sequel, you have to realize. And then like they they dedicated the movie to Tony Scott, which you pointed out to me. I didn't even notice. was yes, watching the movie, right. cause I was kind of on sensory overload after I'd seen it, <laughs> um, but. The movie was made very much in his vision, and whatever whatever changes came to the script or the story, they, everybody involved has been thinking about this for a long time before they ever yep. shot anything. So yeah, I
1: think da- dating back to like twenty twelve or something. Yeah, I think Tom it was twenty yeah, eleven
0: or twenty twelve. But uh, yeah, anyway, so that that was about the sequel more than the actual movie. But I I am really glad we revisited this one. If anything, just to kind of contextualize, because I, I did kind of sleep on how good the original Top Gun was. Adam boy, um, it was. Uh, you have to admit when you're wrong, and it's kind of a. I, I for some reason I just really I just didn't think it would hold up that well for me, and I was glad to I was glad to be wrong, and it you know kind of opened the door for this movie that very easily could have been another too late. Soulless cash grab sequel, and it was just—it was yeah. like none of those things.
1: Yeah. Somehow. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I gotta. I'm excited to go see it again. I'm, Kath. I asked Kathleen. I'm like, have you seen Top Gun? And she's like, I, don't, I actually don't know. I'm like, all right. We have to watch that, and then we're going to see Top Gun too. Like, what? I really want to go back and see it again. So, and and unless like. Usually a Star Wars movie I see like at least three or four times in the theater. Other movies, no. Nah. This, yes, I want to go back and see Top Gun Maverick again. And I haven't seen seen it with my brother yet. We saw it separately. I saw it when I was in Anaheim, and he saw it out here. Um, so I want to see it with him too. He's so we'll going to be way him.
0: too busy marking out to make any kind of contribution.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, he's probably he's probably googling and, and wondering how financially irresponsible it is for him to buy like a full uh replica of maverick's helmet but um, i love you matt but not that much to buy that for you for your birthday all right so mike i think we did a pretty good job this is one of our longer episodes and i'm surprised but i'm not because
0: i'm not at all there's yeah
1: i we probably could have kept going man honestly i'm not top gun is a lot of fun but i think we did it uh Serviced it well, yeah, so I think so too. And if
0: anybody found that the sequel talk extraneous, um, I hope you don't. But uh, apologies for that. Um, I I don't I don't want to do the as tempting as it is. I don't want to do the double dose of Top Gun. <laughs> I, I think okay. maybe 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 sometime down the road after we've because uh, I like I, like I was we don't we've said before we don't talk too much before we record. We try to go straight. But we had a little longer discussion than usual because of the you know because of you know the, the Memorial Day weekend And stuff like that and I do want to see it again just to see if it's if it's as good as I thought it was because I was just like marking out way too hard for the, for <laughs> for the sequel so I want to give it a little time cool off a little bit see it in IMAX and see if I could you know see a little more uh, be a little more critical about it but uh, the movie can I'm, I just say
1: one thing really quick yeah. Really quick, I'm just glad that you didn't pull a bit and say it's the best sequel since Goldmember. I just <laughs> want to thank you for that, my friend. Thank you.
0: <laughs> no, dude, I'm, I'm like, I, I couldn't, like, I didn't even have my wits about me to make that joke. <laughs> like, I don't, All I don't, right. I don't even want to joke around about how fucking good Top Gun Maverick is. <laughs> F- fuck yeah! <laughs> but um plus, if I didn't like it, I mean, well, we might not be friends anymore. This, this, That's a, a
2: fact. This, yeah. Like,
0: this might have been a stake through the heart of our friendship. <laughs> hey, we wanna try we wanna pretend these things don't matter, but they do. <laughs> they do. But they do. 20, 22 years down the toilet. Yeah. Enjoy it whatever. Have a great life. Uh no, I uh... <laughs> So the next movie is it's kinda of hard to follow up a, a blockbuster classic like Top Gun. Um but there was a movie I wanted to do before I was I got taken to, by the urge to talk about a Clint Eastwood western, which was Unforgiven. Um, <clears throat> so the movie we're gonna do, uh, what I'm picking, and I'm not sure what John's relationship to this movie is, so it's gonna be interesting. It has spawned a lot of memes. Uh, it's from the t- it's from the turn of the century, the for dawn of the new millennium, and it is a it is from the same era. It is set in the same era as Top Gun, uh, but it, it's more of a satire of the materialism of the eighties, and it features one of my favorite actors, Christian Bale. We're gonna do oh, American Psycho, wow. so Johnny, if you, uh, I uh,
1: thoughts? will, I will dig up my Huey Lewis records and, and get after it.
0: <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Let's. Uh,
1: no, that's a that's a good pick. I do like. Uh, I have not. I've only seen that movie twice. Um, when it first came out on video, I saw it and then maybe four or five years ago, but I do enjoy it. Uh, so I look forward to revisiting it. I have no idea what to expect or what the conversation will turn into, but it is, it definitely is something that will spark a lot of conversation because there's a lot of, um, uh, speculation on 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 what is and what isn't in the movie and that sort of thing. So um uh yeah, I'm definitely excited. I think it's a good pick. I did not expect it. I I did not expect it but it's a good pick.
0: This is one of those ones I didn't even know how to follow it up. It was kind of like Godfather, it was the same thing. It was like yeah, it, uh, I don't know. I mean, but I'm
1: bring, I'm bringing the haymakers with my last couple of picks. <laughs> For, sure. Um,
0: For sure. But
1: no, that that's that's a good one, man. So I do look forward to uh Checking that out and um what, what's his Name Patrick Bateman in the mm-hmm. movie Yeah so that'll be that'll be a good One for Do you sure. remember
0: that the Huey Lewis reference I think we're in Pretty good shape so far
1: I think we're, I Think we're okay all I think right. we're all Right um all right so Mike uh I'm Glad uh, uh thanks for for letting me Postpone it it was pretty chaotic glad but I'm kind of glad I'm glad we me. did Because I think us both having Watched Maverick I think made this a better episode
0: I hope so I, I think it did too I hope I hope our uh, our listeners our intrepid listeners feel the same
1: yeah and and hopefully they appreciate the fact that we sort of towed the line and didn't really spoil much <laughs> um, but uh, we want to thank everybody like Mike said before for for listening and, and and being a part of what we got going on here just like the movies we really appreciate it uh, if you are interested in us doing Top Gun Maverick let us know if you are interested in us breaking our rules, uh, a bit more Let us know But more importantly We hope you really Enjoyed this episode And have been uh, Enjoying what we've Had going on here So uh, you know All the spiel So there's not much Else to get into So uh, Mike It has been A pleasure as always So uh, Likewise so sir th- Thank you for joining me Once again here uh, We have a We have a great Little thing going here um, And I like that You and I You know We're, we're neither the Rio we're, 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 we're both We're both pilots uh, Stewarding the ship here But Uh, Thank you again to everybody, and make sure, more importantly than not, you be kind, rewind, relax, and we'll see you around. Great balls of fire!